Our guest today is Aliza Ben Shalom. She is the author of Get Real, Get Married. She's the host with Rabbi Yisrael Barnath of the Matchmaker Matchmaker podcast. And uh, most famously is the star of the Netflix series Jewish Matchmaking. Aliza, pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Um, you work a lot with American clients. Yes. Does that, you live in Israel? Yes. Does that mess with your sleep pattern at all? (laughs) Oh, why do you ask? Because I woke up at 11 o'clock today. So uh, I, uh, yes, I work American hours. I work not just with Americans, but we work with Australians and South Africans and Europeans uh, and South Americans. We work with people all over the world. And I often will go to bed uh, after midnight for sure. Sometimes it's one or two. Last night, it happened to be closer to four. One, actually, one of the kids... Actually, no, it's not true. It was really closer to five because one <laughs> of the kids woke up and came down and was like, Ema, are you up? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't go to bed yet. I'm about to go to bed. They're like, oh, like, bummer. I just woke up. <laughs> like, can we hang out? And I was like, no, I'm done. This is the end of my night. <laughs> How old are the kids? Uh, 10, 12, 14, 18, 19. Can I horror? Yeah. So that so they're out of the out of the phase. I hope of like I I've woken up and now it's me time. Right, right. right. No, no. He's like, yeah, you're gonna go to bed, so I should just go back upstairs and like you Do know pray thing. that I pop fall back asleep. And I was like, yeah, basically. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Um, I you four boys and a girl. Yes. Is that right? Um, I was I I noticed you have a little sign up that says <laughs> special place in heaven. For the mother of four boys. But somebody, I think it was my mother-in-law that gave me that. We had, you know, we had a son, then we had a daughter, and then we had another boy, and then we had another boy, and then we had another boy. <laughs> and she's like, oh. And they often would take the kids, they would go out to the museum, they would go to the zoo, and, and boys have a lot of incredible energy. Right. And I think she was having a little bit of empathy for me at one point. Oh, and she found that sign and she's like, that's perfect for you. That's really interesting. <laughs> do, you, do you think, do you think boys or girls are easier to raise? One of them's Right. Such an, an interesting category. question because I haven't raised girls. I don't know. But from right. what I've heard from everybody, actually it's easier to raise boys, mm. um, but it's more helpful to raise girls. <laughs> What? They're more helpful. They're more. Oh, as in once you raise them, they can actually contribute. Yeah, they're more involved. You know, (laughs) the bar is much higher. Yeah, but but it's much easier to raise boys. It's yeah. I mean, there's more brawling and less drama. So there's Mm. not as much screaming and whining, Mm. and more of like you hit me. No, I didn't. I didn't do it. It's fine. Let's play. You know, (laughs) it goes back and forth. Um, If I had to choose and go back, I would. I. Do it this way. If I had to be lopsided and have like more of one or the other, like I'm good. I think it also helps to contribute towards the uh, dating world that, uh, you know, we oh, need a few more. Oh, because you're fixing the shit of crisis. Yeah, yeah, we need wow. a few more good men. Doing so like I'm okay. Part. I'm okay with that. But I did have this vision of having seven kids and I had an order and it was going to be boy, girl, girl, boy, girl, girl, boy. And that way the boys would be spaced out. You'd have two girls together. Yay, that'd be helpful. And the boys wouldn't, you know beat each other up because there'd be a couple years between Oh, them. there's too much gap. I, it, that would have, that was the ideal. Was the ideal. I had a good vision. Hashem just said, eh, that is not the right vision. I'm not in alignment with was that. There, was, there, was, this, was there any attempt to make this happen? I mean, I was definitely surprised when the second girl didn't come out and it was like, oh, it's a boy. And I was like, no, that's not the plan. <laughs> like, did God not get the memo? Like, we didn't find out beforehand what, it, what you know, what the gender was going to be. And it was like a surprise day of. And I was like, 
no, that's not the plan. That's not the, and then after that, I was like, oh, if that happens again, that's really going to mess with my plan. And it did happen and several it happen more times. Again, twice again. And I was like, but it's really cute because the three younger kids are about two years apart. Mm-hmm. So it's boy, 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 oh, boy, oh, boy. And that's funny. Yes. Yeah, so I like no. that. <laughs> and they, um, they're, they're buddies. They play, they have games, activities. Like my plan would have worked for the girls, but it wouldn't have given the boys a buddy. And it's really nice that they have each other. Um, and the two older kids, um, our oldest son, who's now in the IDF and our daughter, who is, um, 18. So they're also like, they're like the bigs and the little guys or the younger kids are the, the littles. And like we have our yeah. groups of kids that are buddies and friends and the two big kids went to high school together. And so, um, there's some, you know, like camaraderie and yeah. What's the gap between two and three again? It's like four years. Uh, almost four years between yeah. the second and the third. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. My, my mother said that her policy was always like to try to like have a kid and then another kid quickly and then a break specifically for the playmate thing. Yeah. So the kids had each other. It's so smart. But she never strategized. <laughs> boy, go, go, boy, go, go. I strategized, but it didn't boy. work. I was not in alignment with God's plan. You know, you can have your plan, like man plans and God laughs. This but man didn't even plan. I, no, this, this was like woman plan and God went, no, sorry, I've got a better plan. This is totally not for you. I was surprised every time. But Okay, wait, wait, I'll tell you. You want an inside story? <laughs> Here's an inside story. I, um, with the last, I didn't find out with any of the kids, you know, mm-hmm. what it was going to be. And why I was just like, oh, I'll give birth and it'll be like wonderful. No, no. We'll find out the day of. With the last one, I was like, if this isn't a girl, I'm going to be really like upset. Like I, enough already. I tried. Like, God, right. like well, I'm having a conversation with God here. Like I, I, I told you like boy, girl, girl, right? And now we got boy, girl, boy, boy. Mm, I don't know. And God's, so, God's clearly not respecting the chain of command is, here. Yeah. God is not on <laughs> not my taking order. No, he's not taking order from my command. And I'm like, I got, I have to know if I don't find out, like, I don't want to be disappointed the day right, of. I want to be, be grateful yeah, for whatever we get, exactly. but I am going to be disappointed because like I, my husband's really done having kids. This is our last shot. And if I don't have a girl, like, uh, you know, it's going to crush you. Right. Be mean, crushed in advance. I, yeah. Yeah, for so, sure. So I went and I got an ultrasound and I found out and they're like, and it's a boy. And I'm like, yep, thank God. Yep, <laughs> I'm fine. And, and I didn't wait. I didn't tell my husband. And a year after we had him, he found like these ultrasound <laughs> oh, no. pictures from somewhere. And he's like, what? I, I found it actually in my desk. And I was like, oh, sweetheart. <laughs> Remember, I actually, I, by the way, I, I did know that it was going to be a boy. I just, I didn't want to, you know, I, I just had to know how to handle Kill things. the vibe. He's like, you knew? And I, he's like, you didn't tell me? I was like, oh, you're a terrible secret keeper. I love you, but you would never keep the secret. Oh, and I didn't want anybody to know. Right. Literally, no, like, I'm, I'm a very private person. Sure. So, um, so I didn't tell him. Sure. I just needed, I needed, a, I don't know. It was like a mommy thing. I had to have the comfort of just knowing and then I went around telling you know whatever you expect Mm. whatever you desire okay if you desire that we should have a girl expect that you'll have a boy then you won't be disappointed either you'll get what you desired or you'll get what you expected it's not a lose situation it's win-win right because I knew that I was going to be disappointed which clearly you're so sage clearly clearly I'm not disappointed we our last one his name is Avraham and he um he is the charmer that I mean like everybody it's a good thing he's a boy because if he was a girl we would have a problem like he, he's a charmer and he's a boy um and he's just funny and playful and he's a delight 
he's a delight. That's really lovely. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing um, you bring up, like the, the, the ultrasound and the death <laughs> drawer. But I, I feel like in your... So some people are just good secret keepers and some people are not. And I feel like in your line of work, yeah. you must have a lot of secrets you got to yeah. keep. Yeah, you have to because it's people's private information. There are stories that have never been told. I'm often on a first phone call. And um, if we meet in person, I bring a box of tissues because people just cry. They just, there's, it's like the first time in their life that they feel safe to actually say something to somebody that they know A, will listen, B, will validate, and C, will keep their secret. So it's a lot of pressure, but I um, I live up to that and, and I clearly practice practice it in my own life and clear also you have to understand my husband and I um it's not like we have big secrets from each other so to right. speak other than things like you know <laughs> is it gonna be a boy or girl but other than that um but we understand each other so like I wouldn't have done that if he was the type of person that would have been furious that Finding I had done later yeah, on right no he That's... was like no you needed that and whatever and yeah he's like I would only told a few people like just a, a couple close people I'm like exactly that's why I didn't say <laughs> Right. Right. No, but it's it's just, it's how we process and, and everybody, I think, has to have a, a solid relationship. You have mm. to understand yourself, understand your partner, and understand the relationship between you so that you can interact prob- uh, properly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I remember, uh, I, you, I, I was listening to a few, a few of your podcasts in, in advance of this. One of the things you said was <laughs> you spoke to someone recently um, was, uh, about, who said like, oh, we don't have fights in our relationship and normally that's a really bad sign but then she that she said no is um uh it's just one of us just is like really really easy going and it ain't me <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly but that's that's funny like you gotta you gotta know like which bits yeah. are easy going some yes. things everyone can let some stuff slide and yep. you gotta know what that stuff is exactly because there's plenty to stress about the actual <laughs> the actual category yeah. What I noticed you you mentioned that that box of tissues that um that comes out in the in those yeah. first meetings. Yeah. I noticed that in the show, it's like it's really um it, it's really notable that like people are crying and like there happen to be tissues there. Um, but I guess because the, the the consultations you do in the in the TV show, those are real consultations, right? Those are, and that's the first time I meet them. When you see them on camera, I didn't have a chance to pre meet them. I got like a little paper bio, a little mini video, so that. Um, I would have like a background on somebody, but there's no pre phone call. I was Wild. like, normally I would call, I get yeah. to, you know, you know, pre vet them, then meet them in person, set it up, and they're like, no, no, you meet them on camera. They for the wanted first the time. raw they first wanted, interaction, and they got it. Like, yeah, you know, like either walk in and you're like, hi, this is awkward, or it was like, hi, I love you, and they give me a hug, or and the tissues and the crying, and like that's not. First of all, you can't. I want to say you can't fake it, but like nobody, this isn't an actor based show. Sure. So, um, it's not fake. Second of all, it was whatever the moment was like, yeah, you're filming, but as soon as the mic goes on, then you have a conversation, you're completely disarmed because mm-hmm. even though you know that a camera's there in after about 10 minutes, you're just who you are it having a, con- yeah, yeah, you're just who you are having a conversation. Like it's actually really hard not to be yourself like it's very Mm. difficult to try to like fake who you are or come up with a moment it's like so much harder than just going with the flow of the moment and it's also 
it's there's again there's no script so like what am I asking they have no idea they got no notes they have no idea what's coming next I've done meetings like this thousands of times so I have like in general the things that I ask but I follow their lead of what they want to talk about and where they want to open up and what they're not you know comfortable Mm -hmm. with and sometimes we have really difficult discussions like you know we'll talk about fertility and egg freezing for women and you know aging up and and what's happening in the world and that comes up and also for me I was trying to be sensitive like hey wow we're I do know we're recording but these are all things that I would normally talk about so I do I did on the show what I normally do which is I just ask permission is it okay that we talk about this if they would have said no you would have seen them say no and we would have moved on to a new topic and either that would have been included and they would have shown Mm -hmm. that they said no or that maybe it wouldn't have been interesting enough and they would have cut that that bit but I ask permission to have that conversation sure. because it's not a given that it's okay just because you signed a piece of paper and said, hey, I'm willing to do a program. That's, re- that's really interesting. Is it okay if we talk about this? Right. Like You see with Harmony, I have that conversation. Sure. She's, in, she's, she's in, 44, right? In, right. The, in the show. Right. Right. Oh, well, I, I pay attention. I pay attention. So, so right there, right away, I ask her, is it okay? Could we talk about mm. this? And she said yes. Had she said no? That would have been the end of the discussion. It's not like, again, it's not like there's a script that we're following sure. and that they're obligated to answer anything. This was like, Aliza just comes up with the conversation and that's the conversation that we have. So you're seeing, I mean, look, it's an hour and a half interview that you see three minutes of and you right. only see the most hot three minutes, right? The rest of it is all the rest of the details and how I build the relationship with somebody. Um, well, see, that intrigues me. Like that, all the rest of it really intrigues me because there's like, a, they, they build an emotional flow into it. There's right. a, you know, you show up, it's, it's high energy. Yeah. There's a bit of getting to know. And then like 10 seconds later, she's weeping. Right. And it's like right. something happened in between <laughs> right. there for her to get comfortable enough. Right to open up in a way that she doesn't usually or she hasn't before. Right. So they said to me at the very beginning, how long do you usually meet with a client for the first time? I said, look, there. I work with a lot of different circumstances. I said, what's ideal is a 90-minute session. So it's an hour and a half. I can come in. I can say hello. We can get comfortable. I, I usually share a little bit about me. Like, do you know anything about me? Have you heard about me? Because they didn't, they also didn't tell them who I was. One of the people I walked in and it was somebody that I had met. Jewish geography. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> I had, I know I had met like five years ago and he says, I don't know if you remember, but we actually spoke like five years ago. And I was like, Hold on. If we spoke, you're in my phone. And I looked him up and I was like, you had his I was file. like, I was like, that's you. He's like, yeah, that's my old number. I'm like, aha, I know who you are now. Now I see your photo in my phone. That triggered my memory. I knew I, it placed him. But when I saw his, you know, video and his little one page profile, I mean, I meet a lot of people. So it didn't, yeah, sure. it didn't trigger anything in me. And as soon as he said that, I was like, I know who you are. Mm. And, um, and we had spoken briefly, very briefly, like it, you know, like we didn't end up working you had together. You 90 minute session. No, it was like somebody, a friend of a friend made an intro. We said, hello, how are you? But it wasn't the time to be dating. So like we figured that in the first 10 minutes and, you know, didn't continue. But, um, but it was, it was like, that was there. It was the moment. Like we, we did that on film. That didn't actually make it on the the show. Right. Um, Because I walked in the door and he's like, I know you. (laughs) The the decisions, the decisions to cut down that one 90 minute. Uh, session into the three minute session. That's, that's all on the director side. On, on the, yeah, 100% on the editing side. And so that's, um, do, does your, cause 
like when I do recordings, like I, I, I'm, I'm generally pretty scrupulous. If we're not live. I say like you can have final cut if you if something comes up. I can that we that's so you don't kind. Talk about, we no, can cut it out. no, no, that no. doesn't happen here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I joke that the contract is like we can take your head and put it on your foot and splice the voice and make oh, you a yeah. talking frog. You know, like <laughs> they literally could do anything. So I could say like yeah in this moment. I could be like no in that moment, and they could switch the answer. And they could switch the answer of what I said and how I said it and put it together. Um, but this company that I worked with is called IPC. Mm-hmm. And they are specifically focused on making docu-reality series. So it's supposed to be documentary style, meaning they want to know the truth about the people, the culture, the history, the background, all of that. And they want the everything to look and be authentic. Mm-hmm. So they even hired a Jewish religious producer to be on board so that she could review things to say, yes, culturally this is accurate or no, because if oh, you're not if you're not Jewish and you're not religious, how do you know what's culture? No you, you don't know. That's, so that's they brought super somebody on board to do that. So because you're, I, I've noticed that in the in, in the show, there's actually like a, a a big lack of like cringe moments where our culture is misunderstood, which you wouldn't expect. Right, you Normally would there expect are there of to be a lot of cringy moments, like, and there's not. Be... It was it was actually done very well. Like kudos to IPC and kudos to Netflix for how they represented. The Jewish people, me, an Orthodox Jewish woman, mm. mother of five, you know, living in Israel, you know, just moved from the States, like the representation of who I was. When you see it, people always ask, they're like, but is that really who you are? And I was like, actually, yeah. <laughs> it's just this all the way through. <laughs> actually, that is authentically who I am. You can ask my family. You can ask my friends. They're like, yeah, when we miss her, we just turn our TV on. Like, That's there she it. is in our living room. Like, it's her. You're not increasing the energy like 30%? Nope. If anything, I'm dialing it down. It's true. And and some people... <laughs> no, it's actually true. People... When I, when I, <laughs> When I do a live um, matchmaking program, which I'm traveling around the world and doing live matchmaking programs now, they're like, oh, wow, you're even better in person. I was like, look, I did the show and I was really me, but like, it's an, it's an environment that's made for like one-on-one with whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not like a stage where, you know, you pop and you come alive. And, and now I've done, I have a whole roster of like Mm -hmm. 50 live shows or more around, maybe 50 or 60 around the world. And I've hit about 30 I think I, I hit my 34th city. Wow. So, right. Pretty amazing. I'm like more than halfway through this. And I am a little bit more refined because there's a flow to the program. It's nothing's memorized, but mm-hmm. I do have like notes and I have something that I follow. You have a and, structure. And I also have like a little bit of a shtick that I get, get into. So like in the show... Um, on Netflix, I say certain things, date them till you hate them. One of my key catchphrases, right? How did that come out? Well, because I talked to dozens of clients and I keep trying to explain to them why they should continue. And I'm like, look, there's not enough reason to say no. I'm, I'm like negotiating it out. And finally, one day it comes out. I'm like, look, you just got to date them till you hate them. And that's it. The client laughs. Oh, I laugh. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's the line. And I quickly write it down that's in my little journal. Funny. And I've got my notes and I have all my one-liners of how do you say what people need to hear in a succinct soundbite that hits home mm-hmm. and is completely memorable. And and also it has to be slightly jarring, right? Like, date him to you, hate him. Are you kidding? The only thing I'm about is love. And my famous quote is date him to you, hate him. It's mm. the most ridiculous thing in the world. Who do I want? I want and nobody should hate anybody. That's right. my goal in life. Sure. But I don't want anybody to miss 
dating somebody because they were too quick and they cut them off and like poof they're gone.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so like if you can't remember, people don't remember what you really say, right? People talk about like oh they remember how you made them feel, but they don't actually remember what you say. They will only remember sound bites, and either they will remember what they want to remember, or you can give them a sound bite that is totally memorable and they'll never forget it. When did you learn that lesson? Oh, that is a really good question. I started working with people informally in 2007. In 2011, I turned it into、uh, a business. I got a business coach, and I was、mm-hmm. like, "I'm not just messing around here. Like, this is my full time gig, and I I need to help pay the bills." And I started talking to people, and and my like everybody has their superpower. Like, what's their gift? So one of my superpowers is. Being on the spot and just saying things live, so like a recording like this is great. You know, like people are like, oh, we can edit you, we can cut if you say anything wrong. I'm like, mostly, really, that doesn't happen. Like, I just, I, I perfect myself as I speak, as、mm. opposed to a lot of people do the opposite. <laughs> they're very imperfect as they speak, and it comes out. They're like, no, it comes out all wrong. Like, I, I have to have a script. I have to memorize it. I have to know what I'm going to say. I have to expect the meeting. I have to. I am really good. Being spontaneous, you know, to improv. I'm good with improv in the moment, and that's where my genius comes out. So, being on the spot for me is exactly what I need to get the words out right. And I,、um, similar to、um, a musician, or or like when you hear something, you know something. Like when something clicks and it resonates. It's like a home run. You know it. I know the difference between coming up with something that's okay and coming up with something that's a home run, right? So date them till you hate them. That's a home、mm. run. I have another phrase. It's when in doubt, go out. Okay.、Mm-hmm. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, go out. It's very nice. It's very clear. Is it totally memorable? Not, not in the same way. It's not. Not in the extreme. It's not, and that's doesn't why doesn't hit you in the kishkas. Exactly. It doesn't hit you in the kishkas, and it's not extreme enough. It's logical. It's smart. It rhymes. It's got a lot of nice things to it. It has a ring. When in doubt, go out. When in doubt, go out. And they're like, well, but whatever. When you say date them till you hate them, they're、it、like sticks in the memory straight away, and it sticks in the gut.、Yeah. It's like, well, I don't hate them. I mean. I guess I gotta go out. Is that the、yeah. rule? that's the rule, right?、Yeah. Like they and you know, look. I I explain what I mean. You're not really、yeah. gonna hate somebody. I just want you to know that it's a hard no. But again,、mm-hmm. that language isn't memorable. But the phrase is. So at a certain point, I guess I noticed with clients there was a spark as I was talking to them, and certain things hit. And when it hit, I I have a little document on my computer that says Aliza isms,、oh、and I literally、God. I I can I can you want to hear them? Hold on, wait, I got. <laughs> I gotta pull it up for you. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I know so many of them from the show already, but I bet like that's like not even five percent. Well, no, what you got from the show is the best of the best because the ones that that didn't work, like they don't stick as much. They、mm-hmm. they kept what's what's the best.、Oh, so, and you, did you agree with those editorial decisions of which ones were the best?、Um, Surely there was like one or two that you were like, "Come on, this is like my best work." Like it's not. No, date them till you hate them. I said this is my best, and this is you have to be... open with this one. Yeah, that, that was the first one. Well, it came up,、uh, yeah, it came up、sure. in one of the first interviews, and that was in the line that I met people. That was one of the first interviews that I did, and but, it did come up right away. But also, yeah, but also, like you have this thing where you switch over to like I don't know, how, like this bowling alley. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? It's the Great Synagogue in Jerusalem with the pink and blue background. Oh, that's what、it、that is? is. Okay, listen, it's the doors to the synagogue, <laughs> but my back are facing the doors, and they are shining lights in from the outside. <laughs> To illuminate it and reflect it on the floor, it was, it was 
gorgeous. But yes, I could see how it was good. Like no, it. but I, I didn't understand it. Right. It's like, like bowling alley is the closest thing because it's like lights far away in a straight <laughs> Where is line. That What's from? going on? Yeah. But but in the um in the great city garden, you had you did a bit. Clearly, you must have shot this after the main interview series where they talk about yes. each person. Right. So when I right. So when I go in to meet with people, I meet with them. We schmooze. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. You also don't know what I'm going to say. You also don't know what phrases are going to come out. Sure. Not everybody speaks in sound bites, but I did have in mind. <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell me more about the world beyond this office. Okay, I speak in sound bites, but I but. So it went like this. I had in mind, I was like, Elisa, you know, you got one shot at getting out what you want to get out. Mm. You know, you're not memorizing anything. You don't have a script, but you do have some key things that you normally say to people that if you're going to share who you are and what you do, you should probably share those things. So I made this list of my Elisa-isms, which I'll I'll get to. And I had in mind, like, I'm going to go into this meeting. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to see if this phrase, I'd have one or two of them in mind, if either one of them fit in for me to share my wisdom and advice. Because that's... That's my secret sauce, okay? What's the secret sauce of matchmaking? The secret sauce of Elisa's matchmaking is not sticking the two right people together. It is prepping the brain of the two people that are about to be dating so that when they meet, they can figure out that they are the right people, okay? So my goal is to make sure that their head and their heart is on straight. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it. And that when they date... They will date properly, and if it's not your person, yay! I don't care that it didn't work out and that you said no to somebody I suggested. And if you go meet somebody on your own and you're hanging out and you're like, wow, that's awesome, and you figure it out, right, because you're prepped, you're ready, you like can see it. So if I set you up, if somebody sets you up, who cares? You found your person and you knew it was your person, woohoo! Huge win by me, right? So by me, the most important part of matchmaking by me, the most important part of matchmaking is prepping their brain and making sure that they are ready for the moment because I know your person exists. They are living, they are breathing, they're in this world, period. Great. Now you're going to find them. Good. Don't blow it. <laughs> Don't screw it up. Don't mess it up. They're going to come to you. So be ready. That's my secret. Okay. Now, sorry. That's amazing. Yeah, Hold you- on. Let me <laughs> process that for a second. <laughs> We're just gonna have some dead air while I just while I just ruminate on that. You've got your you've got, got your list, list up. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, I'm looking at my list. You've got so many Elisa-isms ready to go. I got, I got my list. I, okay, here we go. You process on that because you're gonna have to think for a while. When I put I'll, good thoughts in, I'll put that somewhere to it'll come to ruminate on. It'll come out later. Yeah, so we've got well. when in doubt, go out. Date them till you hate them. So date them till you hate them is like the real. I don't even think you need to say when in doubt, go out, but it it explains it a little bit more. The other way of saying that is it's a go till it's a no. Yeah, nice. It's a go-to, but also when in doubt, you know. It's really it, sounding more and more like you have a writer's room. I do. People are like when in doubt, go. It's like okay, that's good. What else? What else? I I think in rhymes. <laughs> I used to do poetry and write more like that, and it like comes to my brain like that. I also have written songs, and um, a girlfriend of mine who's a composer pulled it together and like took everything. Was and, that was that natural? You were just a musical person growing up? No, no, not. <laughs> You're like nodding. No, no, absolutely not. Yes, I, no. Right, not, right, not a musical. <laughs> person meaning I don't play any instrument mm-hmm. proficiently. I did buy myself a ukulele because it's like the smallest, happiest interest, instrument in the this? world. Between that and the tambourine, those are my two favorites. And As opposed to the harmonica, which is the smallest, <laughs> oh, I, saddest. Oh, 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 I love the harmonica too. Because it's small and sad. 
Oh yeah, but I need happy. I need. I need. <laughs> that yeah. monica's not for you. But, yeah. but you, the uke is very easy. Four, four strings. That's whatever it. You play, it it just says great. happy. You just sound like yeah. you're in Hawaii you having a good time, jamming on the beach. Exactly. Um, What's hang on, hang on. Let me let me let me ask you about this. Before, I know you got more of these <laughs> for me. I'm keen. Let me let me just um, let me just back up real quick. Did you did you uh, read a lot of poetry as a kid? Uh, we, I guess I did. I remember the first time reading poetry, you know, second grade, third grade, and then into like sixth grade, we started to get into it. And we had like a series on poetry. And then we would practice writing and doing different things. Mm. And in high school again, like I think, <clears throat> I think that poetry was, <clears throat> sorry, <Present. clears throat> I think that poetry was a part of my life growing up. My mom also used to write uh, poems. I mean, she also did a lot of rhyming poems and not just, you know, I learned later on in life, I was like, not everything has to rhyme. And I was like, hmm, doesn't make sense to my brain. Really? <laughs> of course it should rhyme. But I learned about other types of poetry as well. Eventually um, you learned that people who told you that not everything has to rhyme was wrong. Right. Absolutely, it has to rhyme. <laughs> did did they have a Netflix series? They do not. <laughs> But, um, but I like thinking back and looking back on it now, a lot of it was intuitive and there was a lot of, um, support throughout my life that just came in, you know, in the form of different classes through my educational experience right. that I really was drawn to. What was it? What you said there was, a, you did a course on poetry. Was that in sixth grade? Um, I had something in sixth grade and I remember in 11th grade, no, 10th grade, 10th grade also, like they gave you elective options mm. and poetry was one of them and I picked it. That's cool. And I remember loving it. Do you remember any of it. the any of the works you read at the time? Did anything hit you that you're like, oh? It's really funny. I remember some of the things that I wrote, and I have them somewhere floating around, like in my saved, mm. you know, files of like the the little handful of things that you save from being a kid, <coughs> or like <Sorry>. the compendium <coughs> that you save from being a shadchanit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just I. Again, I, I think in terms of sound bites, I think in terms of rhymes, I think in terms of how can I succinctly say what I want to say and hit home and have it be memorable to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. oh, and, and forget about somebody, to myself, right? So like one of the ways that I also um, taught myself educationally, like to get through school was through different memorization techniques. So poetry and rhyming and mm -hmm. other things is another way to do it. But you sure. have to also, you can't do anything normal because the brain, I did a whole you know, study through. on memory. It just, yeah, it doesn't remember it. Yeah. Everything has to be to like an exaggerated degree. Mm. So even if you want to remember a shopping list, right, and you have to go to the store and buy five things, if you just like have a thing and you say it and whatever, it's, you're not going to remember it, right? Mm -hmm. But if you like imagine that you're going to the store and you are a giant bean who is pushing a giant banana shopping cart who like and all of a sudden you have this visual imagery and you're like oh I gotta buy beans I gotta buy bananas and like and all of a sudden you remember this whole thing and so I think I learned a lot about memory I learned a lot about the brain understanding who we are this is all now that I mean I'm 46 so I figured a lot of stuff out but but back then I was just kind of pulling pieces of the puzzle together like how do we remember things and, and how do we connect to things and and what's even important to remember like there's a lot of information that they shove in your head as a kid that I don't need it is a yeah. waste of my space <laughs> and like I need to get it out and then how do I how do I chunk down and pull what I would call the golden nugget of wisdom out of any moment and how do I remember that for the rest of my life 
because why should I bother to learn it if it's a life lesson if I can't even remember it? Like I need to remember it. And so I think in terms of categorizing my life lessons and grabbing golden nuggets of wisdom from everywhere I go and it comes out in sound bites and Eliza-isms. That's incredible. That's I, really... I, I have never had this conversation with anybody. Nobody knows that my brain works like this now except for you and all of the <laughs> listeners. There's nobody that knows what I just told you. I have never said... I, I've had... I don't know, probably over a hundred interviews at this point, and nobody has ever accessed this part of my brain. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I feel honored. This is this is this is the good stuff. It's a fascinating interview. I'm I, I'm gonna go back and listen. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> sure, like really, you should take notes. I'm gonna take notes on what I said. I have some good advice. <laughs> It, it, later on, if you listen to this again and you want to rephrase anything in rhyme, <laughs> please send it through. Yeah, yeah. If I think, I can, if I, I think of the uh, perfect way to say yeah. something. So wait, I'm going back. Give I'm going to talk. I'm going to spit out a some. few of my Eliza isms here. So I think that this was on the show, but it wasn't highlighted in the way that I really wanted. You can only move as fast as the slowest, as the person, slowest person in yeah. the relationship. Okay, yeah. that is key. Um, I also have uh, rejection is God's protection. You know, if there's a season two, you'll find that in there. Or redirected, when, not rejected. When. Yeah. yeah, when, I mean. Redirected, not rejected. Redirected, right? not rejected. Oh, oh, it's good, right? Like it's, like, oh. it's like, it's like, yeah, I wasn't rejected. I was just redirected, right? Redirected, um, not rejected. Attract the best, repel the rest. Okay. This is all about being magnetic. Like you and I, t and this is a new thing of mine. And mm. it came out just before the show. When I say it came out, it came out in my brain just before the show. <laughs> new. <laughs> just to give you I feel like, like you have, like you have like a, a 1930 street corner in your head. And there's like this, there's like this nine year old kid in a, in a hat, like selling newspaper. Like, give me one of those boy. Wow. Right, <laughs> like right, you're, like, just, you're always you're, you're, you're your own I'm, biggest fan. I am, which is why you managed to be. <laughs> no, I, it's very clear. But I'm like I'm hyper paying attention yeah. to everything that's going on, and I'm cataloging and categorizing the information in a way that I'm gonna remember it. And so, that you can and you can use it. And I can use it. Right. So so this you're whole just constantly like, generating these useful uh, tools. Yeah. So attract the best, repel the rest. Who cares about ninety percent of the people right. that you date? Not you, because they're not your human. And it doesn't matter. Actually, 99% won't be your human. So if you go out in the world and you want to start dating people, yay, guess what? You're going to be a huge success. And the way that you're going to succeed is by failing every single time. Because you're going to say no to all of the wrong people. Some of them you might think are right, but they're really going to be wrong, okay? Mm. And 99% of the people you're going to date, it's going to fail. And you're going to dump them or they're going to dump you. Yay! <laughs> That's called dating. And then 1% of the time, you're going to date somebody. Wow, mazel tov. You're going to get married. They like you, you like them, it's mutually agreed upon, boom, yay, we go to chuppah, okay? So you have to attract the best and repel the rest, because otherwise you do dating wrong. You know what happens when you do dating wrong? You go out with one of those 99 people and you're like, I should probably just marry him. Good enough. It's and, time. Yeah, it's time. And you marry them. And then you're like, that was wrong. Oops, let's get a divorce. Well, guess what? You actually failed dating. You didn't figure it out. Now, I don't want to say that. So anybody who's like listening and you're like, I'm divorced. And she's like, I failed dating. Don't take it that way. I'm just saying right. this is more to comfort the people that are, Who are going through the, rough going times through the now dating, dating times. Not if you're divorced. If you're divorced, you were also right. supposed to be married and you're also supposed to be divorced. That's also divinely inspired. There's a lot. It's, yeah. just, it's a very confusing world. Okay. But what you're, what you're warning people about in advance is like, don't go down that road if you can dodge it. And the way you dodge it is by 
is by processing. What is it? It's redirection, not rejection. Right. Attract the best. Repel. Repel the rest. See, you you even remember it without me writing it down. So that's it. So like, we just have to also have these mantras that we can live by, so that we're not depressed after the third or the thirty third bad date. Okay. Because people go crazy over that. They do easily. But let me let me ask you. Let me ask you this one. A lot of your um, a lot of your aphorisms speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me one that you think is deliberately confusing in a way that like I'm going to misunderstand it and then you can correct me and tell me what it really means. I try not to create things like this. Mm. I don't know. That, that might be that might be the new generation of Elisaisms. Mm. Deliberately misleading sound bites that are actually profound, mm. but at first parts that I just I don't weird. know that I have misled. I'm looking through my sound bites and I don't think that anything here is misleading. I think I give you the answer on the question. So I have HQH is a high quality human. That's my new, that would have been HQH. HQH. It's not a thing. I Googled it. So if you hear it in the world, that is mine. That's an elitism. HQH. Yeah, and, and people should be looking for an HQH because the inside never wrinkles. You know, like, oh, you're like, yeah, but like, I still have to be attracted. Yes, you do. That's a whole conversation. It's a whole story. Mm. But like, if I have a choice of introducing you to somebody who your eyes can feast on or who your heart can feast on, I'm going to have your heart feasting and your eyes satisfied enough. Yeah. Uh, right. And people are satisfied like, but enough. why can't I get both to the highest degree? And I was like, oh, good luck. Have you found it yet? <laughs> right. We all, it, it takes time and we all have to make decisions. But down the road, when you're looking at somebody who your eyes are really happy to look at and they tell you like you're a horrible human and you're like oh i picked you you're so ugly right. like they're, they're, their beauty just disappears that's so you funny. need an hqh that's that's not anything special that's funny um a new thing is like a slow grow so it rhymes but it's very short um <laughs> but it's really <laughs> that's honestly but it's super that's painful that's the slowest you've spoken the whole day uh-huh that's your <laughs> You can't listen to me on two times speed because I speak fast enough. (laughs) Now, you know exactly what it means from how I say it, right? Sometimes relationships are exactly that. They are an insanely painfully slow Mm. grow. And you're like, but is it going anywhere? And the question is, you know, date them till you hate them. Do you hate them yet? No. Well, I don't know if I like them enough to keep them. Right. So keep going. But when do I stop? Well, I don't know. Do you hate them yet? No. But is it going anywhere? I don't know. And then it is their HQH. They're high quality human. Good. Good for you. But are they a high quality, good human for you? Right. Mm. You can be a high quality human, but you might not be my partner. Mm. So are you a high quality human that has the potential to be my partner? And is there a reason for me to rule you out or rule you in? And it is this combination that looks has to be there as much as we joke about it. There has to be there to what degree depends on who you are. Mm. Okay. For some people, they need it right away and they need it fast and they need a lot. And for other people, they can handle a slow grow. Mm. So you can't say that to everybody, you know, like people that engage with their eyes more than their brains, you know, set them up with somebody hot or don't set them up. Good luck. That's it. It's just, it's what it is. But that's, but that's, that's that's something also interesting that I've noticed about your, your style, which I I love and I want to highlight a bit. Is you're very, very um, focused on what you're hearing from your client. Yes. Which is, which is always, which is crazy for someone with as many um, sophisticated internal models as you have. It's crazy that you don't go and you're like, okay, let, let me tell you what you want. You're like just completely, <laughs> all right, motorbikes is our thing. We're doing motorbikes is going on the list. Like that's if whatever whatever you're hearing yeah. is just going down the paper. And I'm wondering, were you like that, that sort of really present non-judgmental listening? Obviously, you've been doing this like 15, 16 years. You can develop that. 
Was that was that who you were as a kid? Were you like a really good listener? Was oh, that's a good question. <laughs> probably ask my parents. They're like, no, <laughs> uh, no, I was a good kid. Was I a really good listener as a kid? See, I haven't been asked this question before. I'm going to tell you what's happening right now. Okay. Usually, I would stop talking, and you would hear silence. And Do I, it. And I say, and this is another one of the Eliza isms. I'm like, this is the sound of thinking. And then you hear nothing, right? Because I'm actually processing the question because somebody really hasn't asked me that before. And I don't have, if I give you a fast answer, it's because I, no, it's because I've been asked it so many times before. I know it. I understand what you're saying. I understand how you're saying it. Was I a really good listener as a kid? Um, I was always intuitive. So before even being a listener, I was somebody who, I guess, yes, I was a listener, right? I but I was a listener even before I was invited to the conversation. So I here's another piece. I haven't told anybody this. You're, you're learning a lot about me. I'm a little nervous. You have all my secrets. So I pay attention. So if I'm in a room, I could be hyper-focused just on somebody. I could also, if there's 10 things going on in the room, yes, I could be taking it all in and be focused on you as well. Mm. Um, and have an awareness that somebody to my left is getting upset and there's a situation that I'm going to have to take care of in a second mm. and I might excuse myself out because I see something's happening or I could see that you're going to start to get upset and this is not the right place for that. And so I say, you know, can we take this somewhere else and we're going to move somewhere else? Like I am, in terms of being a good listener, I am listening, looking, like I'm listening with my eyes as well, mm. if that makes sense. Sure. Like I'm not just listening with my ears. I'm listening with my body. I'm listening and I'm paying attention to what's going on and I'm noticing what's happening. And therefore I am adjusting my interactions and modifying to suit the situation. So on one hand, I, I also grew up like a people pleaser and I'm a reformed people pleaser because my natural inclination is to do that. But now I understand the difference and I can say, oh, this is what you want. I'm not at that place. Here's where I'm at and here's what I can do. Does that work for you? Right. Mm. I couldn't do that as a kid. Sure. But now I'm not just a listener. I'm, I'm a listener to myself. And you're also right? so your was, own person. Yes. But I was paying attention to everybody else and I wasn't as confident or clear in who I was mm -hmm. until I figured it out and now I can more confidently do that but I yeah well, there's there's an echo there with um what you said earlier about how you're you're actually paying attention to the stuff that's coming out of your own head as well yes so in some sense it's the same gift like that keen eye turned inwards yes and I think people will often not take seriously enough signals from outside people and they'll also not take seriously enough signals from themselves correct and that is something that I teach people a lot about because I don't think that I have better intuition than their own intuition. I just think they don't know how to listen to themselves. So mm. going back to listening, I think when I ask a question and I pay attention to what they say, I point certain things out and then they go, oh, that's right. Like they'll... I don't know. They'll start talking about a relationship and they'll say, oh, I don't know. And I just... I'm just not sure if it's right for me. You know, this is like when you get to the datum to hate him and, and, but I'll reflect back and I'll say, I've heard you say, I don't know, seven times in the last three minutes. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, I've been counting. And they're like, huh. Oh. And I'm like, 
So what's going on that, like, you obviously went out with this person. You obviously have an experience with them. You have more information about them at this point than I do. Why is your answer, I don't know? What what don't you know? Do you not know something about them? Do you not know something about you? Do you not know something about what you want? Do you think you're going to disappoint somebody? What's going on? And then I'll ask the question, and then we get to the root of what's going on. So, yeah, I listen. I pay attention. And my whole goal is to just bring up from within them what is their truth? Mm. And I listen to their truth, even though somebody else might tell them, oh, that's wrong. You shouldn't follow that. That never, like, did you just hear what they said? Like, okay, universally that doesn't work. But for that person, it might work. Why are we ignoring, you know, a kid falls, they scrape their knee, right? And a parent goes, oh, you're okay. Get up. You're fine. Mm. The kid's crying. They're not fine. Why don't you just say, oh, you scraped your knee. Oh, look at that. Oh, that does hurt, doesn't it? Oh, I see a little blood there. Huh? Do you need a Band-Aid? Can I help you? Just acknowledge the moment. Yeah. Like, we stopped doing that for the kid that scraped their knee. We're not doing it for the adult that's dating either. It's really mm. a problem. So I noticed that in the world, and it irritated me also one of my greatest frustrations in the world. Now, now I feel like this is a therapy session. You can come back. Let's do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> but... But one of my greatest frustrations in the world is being misunderstood, right? So I don't want to be misquoted and I don't want to be um, written up with wrong information. And I don't even want you to reflect back to me and go, oh, yeah, I know how that feels. Oh, I'm sorry, because you live in my body. You know how I feel. Don't use language that is incorrect. Listen to me, reflect back, hear what I say, and don't superimpose your emotions on me. Give you, I'll give you a real deep example. Seven and a half years ago, my mom passed away. Okay? Sorry, Fine. Yeah. Oh, Moment. It's what it is. It's life. God had different plans than I did. Right. We didn't follow the kid plans. We didn't follow the mom plans. Live forever. Yeah. Okay? So people would come to the Shiva and they would come in. First of all, they come in so heavy. And then they look at you and they go, I also lost my mom. I know how it feels. This is just awful. This is terrible. Okay? Now, I'm just telling you, if you lost a parent, you maybe understand what I'm saying, but you should be cringing right now. If you didn't lose a parent, you're like, you're not in the club, you don't know yet. Are you, you don't know how I'm feeling. Maybe at this moment, just right here, this second, maybe I was actually okay before you walked in the door. It's the first time in three days I've been okay, and you know how I feel? You have no idea how I feel. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I'm thinking. That's the first thing that runs through my mind. You didn't even listen to me. You didn't even say, you know, I'm here for you if there's anything you want to share. Don't ask me how I'm feeling. I mean, we're in a moment, right? At a shiva, you just say like, you just sit down. I'm here. You just listen. That is the job of the person who is coming to a shiva to comfort somebody who is mourning the loss. Your job is just to listen. Don't t- and don't tell me your sob story because you're not. I'm not here for your shiva. I didn't come to. This is my moment. I get one moment with seven days where you listen to me. You know, like right. But people don't listen. Mm-hmm. They don't listen. And sometimes I would be. Oh, excuse me. I have to get up and go to the bathroom and not come back and like call somebody over. Hey, when they leave, call me. I'll come out. Oof. Not. I can't. I can't. Yeah. This is my. I'm only able to hold space for me. How much more so the- in dating? How much more right. so in all these other moments? And you want to know why dates tank? Because nobody's listening. They're so busy thinking, what should I say next? I have to be prepared. I have to be on. I have to be ready. Your whole job is just to listen, communicate, connect. 
That's it. That's it. Listen, That's communicate, it. connect. We need a nice little jingle for that. Listen, but you communicate, listen. Connect. It's, it's not very. Leave it with me. Okay, fine. I'm going to write it down because I'll forget after we get off of this. <laughs> listen, communicate, connect. Wow. Right? That's your, your whole job. Is job. Not, your job is not to glisten. Your job is to listen. <laughs> I got to think about that. I'll let you know. I got to get back to you if I like it or not. Listen, but, don't yeah. glisten. <laughs> Yeah, that that's your job. But you can't just listen, okay? You can't be one of these like, mm, oh, yeah, I hear. Okay, that's not listening. That's performative listening. Uh, yeah, listening means I take you in. I experience you in this moment. I can even reflect back and say, wow, that looks like a powerful moment for you. You just spoke so passionately about that. Now, I didn't address what they said. Mm. I addressed how they, how I experienced them in the moment. If they agree with what I said, they're like, yeah, you got me. Yeah, that's it. I am passionate about that, right? Or they look at me and they go, that's not what I meant. That's, not, I mean, like passionate. You think I'm passionate? You want to see passion. Let me show you that, right? And they can fight me back on it and say, no, that's not what I said, right? So by listening, I also give permission to be wrong. Right. I actually, not that I don't care. I'm happy to be right. I'm also happy to be informed that I'm misinformed and I'm wrong and I can correct myself because it gets me an opportunity to get like, to know you. I feel like you're, what, what I'm hearing from you is it's all right to be wrong in a way that pushes the genuine conversation forward yeah with the truth because if yeah. i if i only want to be right like i get you i know you pat on my back who cares about me mm. no i'm the whole point of me saying i get what's going on for you is that i feel closer to you you feel closer to me and boom we created a bond and now listen if i were dating today i could go on 47 dates and i could make connections with 47 people will i want to marry them no. Could I make a connection? Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. That's, yes. That's an interesting thing. Those are two different skill sets. Correct. But the ability to make a connection is a really good way to prevent the date tanking with the person that it really was supposed to not tank with. Correct. Right. And, and in life, even if it doesn't work out with the person that you're dating, what do you want to do? You just want to go out and like have a wall up and not connect to everybody and wait for the connection to like plug in. You have to live life plugged in. There you go. There's a quote. <laughs> We're doing it. We're, this is the writer's room. <laughs> this is what I do. But you have to live life plugged in. And when you live life plugged in, then for me, whenever, mo like, I'm going to live my whole life. I'm going to have a lot of experiences. How did I even make it to a show like this? How did this happen? How does that happen? Mm -hmm. I was plugged in and tapped into life. I see, yes, the glass half full, but more than that, I see opportunity wherever I go. Is it the right one? I don't know, but I see an opportunity. Do I want it? I don't know, but I see opportunity. To me, the glass half full doesn't mean that everything in the world is good or positive or right for me. It just means that I see the possibility. Okay? So, like, does that make sense? You're giving me a funny look. Could you explain that? With like a specific example, like you encounter a a dog on the road. I, I encounter you. I, we 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 a proverbial dog on the road. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 met at a, a the Moshav Festival. Correct. Um, some I don't know. I don't even know who said hi. Whatever something, and then all of a sudden you you came over. You met my husband. Said hello. He offers you a hoagie, and you get mm -hmm. a meat sandwich. Mm. And and now we're new best friends, and you're coming for Shabbos. And then you're like, oh, we're gonna do a podcast and something, right? Some, we meet, okay? Mm -hmm. Is there anything relevant about that? I met a lot of people that day. Sure. Right? Like, 
there's nothing particularly relevant except that we we opened up a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. Now you reach out and you're like, hey, I, I want to do this podcast, mm-hmm. right? And to me, do I know if this is going to be a good opportunity or not? No. Did I ask you how many listeners you have? No. Does it matter? Like by me, I'm just seeing an opportunity, okay? Mm-hmm. Is that opportunity going to be good for me? Is it going to be right? I don't know. So I make a decision. It's good enough to do the opportunity to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Is something going to come out of it? I don't know what's going to grow, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to plant a seed. So when you see opportunity, it's like planting a seed. Is it going to grow? That's up to God, right? Mm-hmm. Sun, rain, whatever's going to happen. But I'm going to stick a seed in the ground. And some seeds I put in the ground and they're like in a line and in a row and like organized like a proper gardener. And sometimes it's like party sana. You throw them in the ground and whoop, <laughs> you wait to see what grows, you know? Like sun, rain, you put the little water spout that automatically sprinkles three times a day and like... Things will grow and lots of things will die, just right. like you're dating. Right? Just like the day. 99% but hey, should die. The best to reject the rest. Repel the Repel rest. The but rest. it's good. You mix up two, but it's good. See, that's a new one. It's fine. Back to square one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing that people miss people get tired of it, right? Because it's a lot of effort to do all of this. The way that this, I'm just relating it to something that's going on, that went on or happened, right? The way that this show came about was just an opportunity, Mm -hmm. okay? It was one of many seeds that was planted. I was actually interviewing for more than one program when I, when I did my interviews with Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know which program was going to happen. And I said to both of them, I was like, listen. I'm going to do something big because I want to change the world. I have a big mission in life and it'll either be you or it'll be the other one. Or if neither of those opportunities are right, God will send me something else. I don't know, but I'm going to do something big. This like, I have a mission in the world. This is important to me. And that's how I went around my life. Not, don't hear this out of arrogance. Don't hear this out of like, I'm better than anybody else. I'm not. I'm just me and I know what my mission is and I have to do it. And I feel almost like a soldier in the army. Like I have my orders and why am I doing what I'm doing? Because I have no, I I can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I am made for this. This is what I have to do. There's nothing else that's more important. And this is the direction that I have to go. And if I see an opportunity, I'm going to plant a seed. Will it grow? I'm not going to, I'm not emotionally invested in that Mm. seed growing. I'm emotionally invested in one of the many things growing and happening. One will, as long as I keep planting. So for dating, there's certain types of people their only job is to actually just keep dating. Not everybody. Some people mm-hmm. need to stop dating. But no, there's a lot of people that actually just need to keep dating because one of those will convert. Mm. Okay? Now, it's not, quote, a numbers game, but but there's a, I, this is a whole nother thing. You'll have to come back. But, like, I have different other ways of categorizing people and things. There's, like, I people, you people, we people, and you people, which you don't even know what that means, but they sure just I need do. to date. You people are bad boys. <laughs> I no. Peop- no, sorry. You people are you people are nice guys. We people are kind, kind guys. Oh. And and uh, me people are bad boys. I people. <laughs> Actually, I, yeah. Boom. <laughs> I didn't even tell you the system, but yeah, you got it. So you people are the people that will be picked most likely by other people because they like a lot of different types of people and they're very open. Mm. So they're going to say yes to most things. Not much, mm. yeah, 75% they're saying yes, whereas most people, 99% they're saying no. I people, 99% say no. They say yes to the one. You people, like 75%, they say yes. And the person that picks them back is going to be their person. Right. So they just need to keep dating. And right, they need right. to they need to plant those seeds and they need to just look and go, it's an opportunity. If it doesn't work, I'll keep going. Right. And but, we, we people need a lot of support. They just need coaching because they got to talk it out. It's <laughs> interesting you use the word coaching because I, I feel like as you're telling me this about your mission, what's coming through for me is is 
you know, you, you call the matchmaker and in some sense that's true. But to me, you're more of like a connection coach. It's like the matches will make or they won't make. But what you're there to do is say, are you actually, like, if you're going to say no to each other, I want you to say no from a real place. Yeah, I like that language, connection coach. So I have a whole um, system and it's called Soulmate Clarity. And it is the answer to what you just said, which is like, it's a connection coach. How do you, how do you get that connection? Let's let's pause it at Soulmate Clarity because I think you have your next meeting in like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for a part one, this has been <laughs> amazing. I think it's stands alone. Um, I think I should pay you. It's like a therapy <laughs> session. I feel better too. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm. Uh, I'm really. I'm really glad to have this conversation. Um, I think it stands alone really well. But I think that um, if you want to come back on, we'll, we'll we'll pick up from what's it called? Soulmate. Soulmate clarity. Soulmate clarity, and that's the system by which. Right, by which you I... coach the new generation of. They, the connectors. It, yeah, like how do we meet. know that this is the one? I, I have a phrase and it's, um, is this the one or should I be done? Ooh. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, for today, I think we're done. Elisa, <laughs> it's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you and, so much. Um, yeah, may, may your good work continue to be blessed and grow. Amen. We're back with Elisa Ben Shalom. Where we were up to is, uh, I was saying, based on what I was hearing, that it seems like you don't so much make the matches yourself as much as get people in the right zone to make their own matches so that if they find the right match, that's going to work. And I use the phrase connection coach, which you seem to like. And then you said, this is what my soulmate clarity thing is all about. So I've come back (laughs) to hear what the soulmate clarity system is. Okay, so um, making, I just want to clarify that, yes, we also make the matches, but it's not my favorite part of the process because I know the match is going to happen and it doesn't matter to me where it comes from. It matters that it happens, which is why this uh, soulmate clarity is my favorite part of the process because knowing that this is the right person and having the confidence to move ahead and to say yes without having doubt or reservations or to say no also without having doubts or reservations is extremely clarifying and calming, right? If if you can imagine, right? Picture this, you're with somebody and you think maybe they could be your person, but you're not 100% sure. So you don't want to leave them or you don't want to dump them. And you also don't want to marry them. Mm. And maybe they're fully confident that uh, you're for them. They're, mm. they're on board and you're somewhere in the middle. And everybody's waiting on you. And you're going, maybe if I just have a little more time, I'll figure it out. But it's already been a little more time. So now how do you figure it out, right? So that's the... I'll call it, that's the pickle that we get ourselves into. And what I, what I love about this is that when you walk away from the process, you might not like the answer, but you believe it. Meaning, you know it's true for you. So soulmate clarity goes through several different things. We start out with what I call qualities, which encompasses what you value, your beliefs, and also personality. We talk about fears. In general, everybody comes in with relationship fears. Even if we don't have a traumatic past, 
We might have had parents that got divorced. Well, that had an effect on us. Maybe we have a fear of getting divorced or marrying the wrong person. Maybe we have a fear that it'll never work out. Maybe we have a fear financially that uh, we're going to be taken advantage of. But I, I don't know what the fear is, but there is a fear. And, and then we have the bothers, which is like what people would call maybe the ick factor or the thing, <laughs> but it's not totally ick. Bothers can be ick, which is like, ooh, I can't live with that. Or bothers can be, eh, not my favorite trait of yours. Oh, but you happen to have that, right? Right. So I'm sure you- If I were designing a human from the ground up, I probably wouldn't include this feature, right. but I can live with it. Right, exactly. And if I said to you, you have to include this feature, that you can live with, but that won't drive you crazy, but you'll never like it. And it may always bother you, but to a lower medium degree, not to a high degree, right? Mm -hmm. So you might pick, I don't know, I, I'm going to make something up like somebody like, they like play with their uh. teeth, they pick, right? They, they pick, they're like, you know, like with their tongue, they're like blowing air through their teeth, they're picking, making a little squeaking sound. That might bother you, right? But uh, a partner who maybe walks around just picking their nose might just be a deal breaker for That's you. That's a deal breaker. I mean, I don't know. But everyone, everyone's different. For some people, for they some wouldn't people, even hear the Exactly. And they won't see it and it won't bother right. them. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Oh, that like, that's nothing. Yeah. So we each have something within us that's triggered at a certain point. And we're going to be triggered, but it has to be to a low or a tolerable level and not to a degree where I'm going to constantly feel irritated by your presence and that thing that you do or that you are. Mm -hmm. It could be the way that you speak, how you say something, right? You might always use grammar incorrectly and, and that might just irritate me to no end. Or somebody might be like, whatever, who cares? Sure. Like English isn't their first language or even if it is, I don't care. It's not my thing. It, it just could be anything. So we take all of these categories and you have to realize that looks cannot fall into a qualities category. Looks is either gonna be a fear, like I am afraid that I won't be attracted to my partner for a lifetime, or I'm afraid mm -hmm. that I won't be attracted enough, or, or I have a, a, you know, a bother. I don't like their nose. I don't mm -hmm. like the shape of their face or their body or whatever it is, something physically. Their their hair isn't the color I wanted or it's not the length I wanted. I mean, everybody has their own thing. So looks will fall into a category, but I want to acknowledge looks is not a category, but it will fall into a category. Why is that important to clarify? It's important to clarify that because it's not just modern day we look with our eyes before we look with our brains and our mm -hmm. hearts. You know, you walk into a room, you see somebody, right? Love at first sight. Okay, that's not called love. That's called lust. That's called infatuation. That's called anything but love. And yes, at first sight, you saw them. And in a second, you decided, wow. And then you walked over to them and you talked to them and they opened their mouth and they were the most ridiculous human in the world. And you were like, oh, I must be wrong, right? Like, oh, you have this epiphany that it's not going to work because you actually spoke to them. So it's not love at first sight and it's not the number one thing that must be present in a relationship, but without it, it can't exist. Mm -hmm. So you, it's important to you that it's, it's given its proper place at the table without becoming this looming specter that overshadows everything else. Right. And... If you pick based on looks first, 
which many of us do. If you pick on looks first, then what comes inside might be second best. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because something's got to rise to the top. Okay, fine. Let's go along with this picture. I picked my person. Looks. Wow. Everything else. Good. Good enough. Acceptable. Great. What happens over time? Insides don't wrinkle. That's right. The inside gets better. It doesn't wrinkle. And the outsides do. And mm. the looks are going to consistently trend down. The inside's going to trend up. But you didn't pick somebody with a grade A inside. Mm. You picked somebody with like a B. So good. They're going to be a B plus. <laughs> Maybe they'll get to an A minus, but if you'd pick somebody with an A inside, they would be out of this world by the end, mm-hmm. right? You, you can only go so far and the outside isn't going to ever measure up. You're still going to look in the world. I'm sorry to say it, but when you're 60, 70, 80, 90, you're going to look into the world and there will be a more beautiful human than your human for sure. sure. 100% guaranteed. Are you going to love your human more than other humans? You should. Right? Are you going to feel more connected to them? You should. Will you think that they are the most beautiful human in the world? You should not. Mm -hmm. You should not. (laughs) Clearly, right, we have a different look in our 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, and it changes over time. And we can see beauty at any age or any stage, but our brains and our societies are trained for us to really like the 20s and 30s. Mm. Look at what happens as we age up and people date down, right? Well, that's what I'm attracted to. I can't help it. I aged out of that, but I'm still attracted to somebody who's 30 years younger than me. Well, that's nice, (laughs) right? That's okay. But, and it, and it rarely, but it does work out for some people that that is the age gap that they have, but that's not so common. And only one side gets that, not the other. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Although the other side thinks that they're 30 years younger, they're really not. There's, a, there's an inherent asymmetry to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is is dating, has the has the age gap, I mean, this is sort of a historical question, has the age gap gotten bigger or smaller across time? It's interesting. I don't know that the age gap has changed, but the age at which somebody chooses to get married and settled down has right. risen significantly sure. across the globe. Yeah. And it is concerning because we're missing the moment of when to raise a family. There's so much more intervention that needs to happen. And there's a lot of extra support that has to happen also because the more that I grow, the more that I have really become me and you have really become you and us becoming we is much more difficult. So much easier to do in your 20s. For sure. So much easier. But as we age up, it's it's a greater challenge. People become more individual. Yeah, I'm my own independent person and I've been living myself for the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm. Like to live with somebody else, to tolerate somebody else, to be in the same space, to make make it our preferences instead of my preferences. It feels like I have to compromise on so much more. So to circle back to soulmate clarity to circle back to having clarity if you're expecting your eyes to give you clarity that this is your person then i just want to acknowledge that's called lust it's called infatuation and it's not called clarity Mm -hmm. it's called satisfaction of the eyes Mm -hmm. okay but we need it to be a satisfaction of the soul and the eyes we need it to be the inside and the outside and i do like the eyes to be satisfied because i wouldn't want somebody to say oh well what do you expect you just want us to marry somebody that we're not attracted to no 
if God didn't want you to have that, you probably wouldn't have vision. And then you'd, then you'd, it would be, it's not, it's funny, but it's not funny. I, I've known people in the matchmaking world who are blind, but it's not relevant for them. Right. Right? So the eyes are the windows to the soul, but if that's not there for you, then it's like the dating show Love is Blind, where you're going to make a decision based on the insides alone. Mm. And it's a fascinating, like, study that 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 the world has done on what does it mean when you pick somebody on the inside and then your eyes see them and then your brain actually has to get used to looking at them because you've been visioning or imagining what they look like all this time and you actually have no idea yeah you've only heard their voice you know there's a in um roald dahl's autobiography he tells a story of um getting shot down in world war ii and he was in a military hospital and he was temporarily blind and this nurse was caring for him and he bonded so much with this nurse and he, he writes that he like felt deeply in love with her and then once his once his vision returned he's like, Oh, you don't look at all like I imagined you and like that was the end of it. And all his romantic fantasies just like sort of evaporated. So yes, and it could go the other way just as easily. Mm. You could wake up, you could look at somebody and go, You're not at all like what I imagined and get used to their look because what they've done for you and who they are has had such a profound effect on you, it could have just as easily gone the other way. Right. It definitely does seem like once you know someone for a while, the the physical look fades. It, I, it doesn't fade. Know. It just can sometimes play less of a main right. role. That's what I mean. It's... Like, I'd rather it be like a supporting role. Like, if it was a mm. play, right, don't take the lead, right? Mm. Let the inside lead, let the qualities, the values, the personality, let that lead. And yes, you know, the supporting role, let the the second in command be the look, the attraction, the draw to somebody. Because we do want something drawing us in. But again, if it's only our eyes, people don't get divorced because they wake up one morning and they look and they go, yeah, you're a little ugly and you've been ugly for the last six weeks, six months, six years, I'm done. They don't move on like that. They look at somebody and they go, I can't stand the way you make me feel. I right. don't like how you talk to me. I don't like what you say. You don't respect me. You don't care for me. This isn't going to work. And people divorce models. And people divorce famous people. Why? It's not because they're ugly. Mm. Right? So if we know why people are pulling apart, it should be a guide for how to bring us together. And I think that looks play a part. They're just not the lead. And we in the world don't believe that. We think that we should have that lead the way and pray that everything else works out. Right. Yeah, my answer is, eh, how's that been working? We've got over a 50% divorce rate. Clearly, we don't know how to get married. And even more so, we don't know how to stay married as a people. Sure. Oh, absolutely. It's it's um, interesting to me because the selection mechanism, somewhat, I'm trying to remember where I read this. But it's like in, this is a, a clear difference between, um, like the sort of matchmaking that you do and what conventional dating, like you go to a house party, you meet someone, you get along that night. And then like that was, and then you sort of, it, what, at no point is it bad enough that you break up and then you end up married. Right. Like, 
So right. the, the, the looks led with no accounting for anything else. Right. And I like the language. At no point was it bad enough. So you kept going. But my question is, is it good enough to last a lifetime? Mm-hmm. Right? Do we have enough in common? Our values, our beliefs. Does our personality mesh enough that we're not going to get in each other's way? Even though I like to look at you, that you don't irritate me and I don't irritate you enough. And sometimes people only look from their perspective and go, well, it doesn't bother me. And I'm going, well, did you take into consideration you might bother them? And they're like, oh, no, they're <laughs> fine with me. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, because you guys didn't have an honest conversation. But they talked to me last week. I'm pretty clear that they have a problem and you're still not listening, right? Like, Whoa. you don't know what I know. <laughs> so hang on, hang on. Wow, pause. That's that's actually huge because it's not, it's this whole time I've been thinking about this this uh, this project of Soulmate Clarity is, you figure out your your values, you figure out your fears, you figure out your ick, and if it's a go, 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 then that's fine. But actually, you've got to model the other person's equivalent. So, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Usually, the person who comes to me that needs soulmate clarity is the person in question and has doubt. The other person... Is already in. Yeah. Is already in a, a relationship, you get one of a couple relationship mm-hmm. scenarios, right? I'm in, you're not, so that person has to get on board. Or you're in, I'm not... Or we're both not in, which means nobody's coming to me. Right. The relationship's going to end. Or we're both in. You don't even need soulmate clarity. I had one couple. I met them and I was like, you guys are fabulous. And they're like, you just met us like three minutes ago. What do you mean? You did? <laughs> I'm like, how long have we been together? They said, you know, whatever. This last year we've been together, you know, almost a year, whatever. I said, don't break up. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're a phenomenal couple. Again, they're like, you don't know us. You just met us. I said, but I can tell, I see that you guys, you would make a great married couple whenever you're ready to do that. They were in their, you know, mid-20s and um, and don't break up. And they're like, okay, so how, like, we think we're a good couple. I don't know that we're like the best couple, but we think we're good. But how do you know that? I'm like, okay, you don't need this system, but I'll prove it to you. Do soulmate clarity. And they're all, they're all in. They like data. They like information. They're like, yeah. They do soulmate clarity. I have never seen such green charts. You know, like it could be, it's like a stoplight. Green, yellow, orange, which either turns red or can turn yellow. So it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. a colorful chart. Obviously, green is a good sign and it's showing where you're compatible and and where you have similarities. Yellow is like, you know, not my favorite. but you're not winning any points here. You got it. And orange is a potential deal breaker, which means it's either going to turn red because I don't accept this, even though I love everything else about you, or it'll turn yellow, which I can handle. You can't get engaged, according to Aliza, if you've got orange on your chart anywhere on your chart. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there are no potential deal breakers when you get engaged. You work through that stuff beforehand and you either accept the human in front of wow. you or you reject. So obviously no reds. Right, no but reds. the chiddush is no oranges either. Right. The red is the orange would turn red, which would signify you could have an all green chart and like one little pie slice of orange that turns red and you're done. It's over. Because you didn't accept it. They're not going to change. Get over it. Mm. And you didn't accept it. So they do the chart their numbers are off the chart high, like well over 85% aligned, all is green, 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 and a small little sliver of yellow and no orange on either of their charts. Wow. Okay, Usually one chart would have it versus the other. And, and I showed them that and they're like, wow. 
And I was like, right. So what I want you to understand is normal human beings don't have charts like that. When you meet your person, your chart should get to a degree, not even this good. I'm happy if we've got 70% green and 30% yellow or 75, 25. That's great by me. Mm. You guys are like over 85% green with only a little bit of yellow. This is a phenomenal chart. You could totally break up. I just want to let you know, you will never find somebody like this again. So it's just a bad idea, right? And they're, they're laughing. And I'm like, right. And, and you might have things that bother you about this person, but I just want to be clear. A, what bothers you, you already can handle. And B, when you meet somebody else, if you should choose to break up, what's going to bother you is going to be orange, right? You don't even realize that what bothers you doesn't really bother you. It's so livable. It's like, it's your biggest problem because you don't have any other problems because there is no orange. And you mistakenly think that what's acceptable in yellow on your chart is actually orange because you have nothing to compare it to because there is no orange on your chart. So you you weigh it more heavily mm. and you're thinking this is really a bother. And I'm going, it so isn't. And they're like, oh, like, like wow, that's a piece of data and information. That part we hadn't realized. And the rest of it, like, fascinating. And I'm like, Wild. right. So just call me when you get engaged. And if you ever think of breaking up, call me and convince me why it's a fabulous idea to break up. Because it's not and it never will be. You're a phenomenal couple. And they're like, okay. <laughs> How long are you I'm still waiting to hear that it's been over a year. They're young and they didn't have plans. Like, sure. you know how sometimes you don't plan to meet your person and then you accidentally yeah, meet your person. Time, and and yeah. it's not the wrong time. It just wasn't the time you were expecting. And like, yeah. you have other things to do in your sure. life. And like, you're not set up yet or you're still in school and you didn't want to get engaged or married then. Or everybody has a plan. And I said, look, you can wait as long as you want to wait. But you guys are going to be like one of those old, happy married couples. Ugh. And you can just decide when you want to get married. It's the dream. It's and not most couples don't end up like that. Usually one of two sides is a little bit more hesitant, would have orange on the chart and has to work to figure out which way they lean. And one of them was a little more, um, not hesitant, but, but had a little more, a little yellow, more yellow than the other. And, and I was like, yeah, but it's still not a problem. It's, <laughs> it's nowhere near the sort of Nowhere near anything that, that I've ever seen. What? What I mean, I don't know if if, if this is just like a uh, the intuition that we spoke about, or if this is like years of training, or if there's something that you can explicitly um, point to when you were when you first met them and you knew them for a minute. You said this is this is the golden ticket couple, right? So this is why I came up with Soulmate Clarity, because I really have a hard time explaining my brain and Soulmate Clarity is my brain with your data. So what was it? I, I saw the way that they spoke to each other. I saw the way that they interacted with me. This is all in three minutes. Mm. I saw the way that they even non-verbally interacted, like the way that they physically faced or didn't face each other mm. or how they interacted with one another. Um, it's what they said, how they said it, you know, what they did and physically how they moved within their own space with each other. And it, to me, it was clear. So the short answer is there's a lot of intuition, but at the same time, I have a very high level of nonverbal communication understanding and a high level of verbal communication understanding and all of those things combined together. And I've, and I've studied couples 
a lot. For so, sure. So I like literally, like I am never bored because if I'm at a coffee shop or an airport or it doesn't matter where, uh, or just walking, I'm literally watching people. That's incredible. I am a, I'm a heavy, heavy people watcher. I'm trying to think of the analogy. It'd be like a, like a classical concert pianist living in a world where every single Kmart is playing like Bach or Beethoven all the time. Like <laughs> right, you've like always got whole, a symphony going the on. The whole world is always available to me. I could be at the dentist's office. Yeah. The whole world is available uh, to me and I can watch. I can even delight. watch. I don't even need a couple. I can just watch one side and see if we have a happy, healthy human who is grounded and available emotionally to be dating. Sure. You know, like you could just tell like, well, you need a little work before we start dating. What's the name of the guy who has that relationship lab? Is that John Gray? Uh, John Gottman. John Gottman. It's Gray's the Men of Mars guy. Yes. Yeah. So John Gottman, he has that relationship lab and he says the big indicator of, um, the big indicator of divorce is contempt. Yes. And, and so I'm, I, I was just thinking about what you were saying and I, I heard something recently or read something recently about the, the sort of reverse indicator, which is sometimes you'll, you'll meet a couple and when one of them's talking, the other person is just like looking at the speaker as if like, what's coming out of that mouth is just pearl of wisdom after pearl of wisdom. Like there's just, just, just drinking it in. And that's, I think it's a really easy thing or it's a very common thing in like first and second dates and really hard to do after even a few months, let alone a few years. Right. And I'm wondering, does that, does that ring a bell for this couple that you're talking about here? Yeah. That was the sort of thing? Yeah. Completely paying attention to what the other person has said and what they mean and being completely focused and engaged in that moment um, and with it. So they also probably both don't have like ADD or ADHD where they're just, you know, a distractible human and they would do that with anybody. But yeah, they were, and they were both curious about like the same types of things. You know, as we were talking, it wasn't like one of them wanted <clears throat> to talk to me and one of them wanted to learn from me and the other one not. It was like we were all engaged and everybody wanted to know the same information. There was the same level of curiosity and not the same, similar level. Right. One one side was more curious that's, than the other. But that's super interesting because I know, I know a couple, I'm thinking of a specific couple that I know in Melbourne that... I can, we can hang out as a group of three, which is normally a weird configuration because any follow-up question that one of them asks, the other is also fascinated in the answer to right. it. Right. That's, that's a rare thing. That's, that's right. It's blessed. very hard to have and hold the same space with conversation. My husband and I played a game once, you know, I come up with all of our relationship <laughs> games. I was like, sweetheart, we're going to play the unity game. He's like, Okay, you know, what are we in for now? What am I in for now? I was like, okay, you know, this event, we're going to this event right now. And um, instead of like, you know, I go here and you go there, we're going to do the same thing all night. We're going to stay in the same conversation circle. You're not just going to talk to your guys. I'm going to talk to my girls. Like we're going to all be together. He's like, okay, what happens when you have to go to the bathroom? I was like, we'll walk each other there and stand outside and wait. Holy heck. Okay. We go to the event. Jeez. He goes to park, right? It's like, oh, do I let you out of the door? I was like, no, we have to walk together into the event. So park and we'll go together, right? We walk in together. Okay, well, let's go to the buffet, right? I want to go for the sushi and he wants to go for the sliced brisket and pastrami. And he's like, okay, we'll go to the sushi first and then we'll go get the brisket. I was like, okay, great. And then I was like, oh, we have to get a drink. You know, like usually it's like, oh, sweetheart, what can I get you? And he'll go get a drink. No, 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 come on, let's go. And we go together to get a drink. And then somebody comes over to talk to us. 
And, you know, maybe it's, you know, a friend of mine, but not really somebody he can connect with. And he looks at me and he's like, he gives me like the, you got two minutes, maybe less, you know, 90 seconds and wrap the conversation up and move on because we're staying in the same conversation circle. Mm. We literally went through the whole night like that. And then I have to go to the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom and one lady comes up to me and she goes, you know, your husband is waiting for you outside of the bathroom. Is everything okay? And I said, yeah. I said, eh, never mind. I'm not going to explain to you. Yeah, yeah, I know he's waiting. I know he's waiting. Come out. We go to the event, right? There was the, the smorg, the buffet. There's the dinner. We sit next to each other at the dinner. Instead of sitting next to our friends, we stay in the same conversation circles. We get in the car to go home at night. And, and I went to say to him, like, how was your evening? Because that's what normally happens. I don't know how his evening mm. was because we weren't together in the same conversation. And we look at each other and we're like, well, that was nice. And that's it. Like, we had nothing to say the whole ride home. We knew how the evening went. Wow. It was fascinating. It was so... And we were very much in sync. Like, oh, do you also want to talk to this person? Like, check in with your partner. No? Okay. Okay, we got to go. We're going over here. See you. Thanks. So nice to see you. And we excused ourselves out of the conversation. What intrigues me about this exercise... I mean, it's super... Well, first of all, I love that you're doing these these experiments. <laughs> and I love that yeah, your husband is in for it. What intrigues me about this is... What if you if, if someone springs to mind, could you describe the qualities of the person that both of you spoke to the longest? Like, was oh. there anyone that both you actually found genuinely compelling? Yeah, that's so interesting. I have to think back through the night. We, you know, it's funny. So we have certain friends that we like and appreciate and for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So we have certain friends that are light, funny, engaging, not, they're always playing with you, mm -hmm. they're, you're always gonna laugh, but like, it's not like the, I mean, even if you have a deep conversation, it's like deep with, you know, a lot of humor. Um, we enjoy people that have a lightheartedness about them. Um, some of the other people, right, I could think of like the people that we don't enjoy as much also. I think the ones that, talk a lot and don't listen and they don't know if you're actively engaged or they don't even care. They just, you know, it feels like they I'm haven't... I'm here to take my turn talking now. Yeah, like I haven't talked to another human in like right. the last 30 days, so I'm going to talk to you and, and that we don't enjoy very much because it's not very... I don't know that I'm anybody talk enjoys to you that. Just as long as you can tolerate it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's frustrating. And I also don't like or we don't enjoy when people just rapid fire just ask her ask a million questions what about this what about this what about this and how's this and how's that and how's this and how's that and you're like okay but like nice it's a little too heavy on our mm. side like what about you and how are you doing oh no no i'm fine everything's fine like they're not willing to open up they're not willing to share they're they're engaged with you and they're curious about you but you walk away and you feel like you know nothing about them and you don't feel any more connected or or you feel almost a little too exposed, like we didn't share or or connect evenly. If that makes sense. Well, I mean, there's there's that, and then there's also I, there, there's a list there's a list of like social failings. But I think that's going to hit across the board. What I'm intrigued by is, I I think like I have a lot of friends individually. Like some people like they just find a friend group, fit in, everything will go well, and then like that group is always chatting together. Mm -hmm. I do that a little bit, but most of what I do is I find individual people in the wild, so to speak. Yes. And I connect. 
And then we have birth, like I have a birthday party. I'm like, oh gee, I've got like if it gets big enough, I can just allow the chaos to sort itself out. Yeah. But sometimes I'll just I'll be in an event. I'll be like, all I speak with you about is X. All I speak with you about is Y. Can we find a Z between the two of you that right. would actually interest interest both right. of you? And that's super challenging. Right. Right. That's difficult. I would say, on the whole. It's probably easier for me to interact with his friends or with the men in the room, and for that to blend easier than it is for him to interact and blend with the ladies in the room. Easier for you to talk sports than for him to talk shidduchim. Um, not shidduchim, just like whatever ladies want to talk about that doesn't like they make up routines. Yeah, I think I'm. A, I think I'm a little bit more adaptable. Sure. Also, in my in my ability, my interests, you know, are much wider, and I'm more adaptable. Um, and and maybe it's funny. It's funny because I think that women are usually the more intuitive ones, but I think in social circles, men are a little bit more like inclusive, chill, and and engaging with you in a way that you want to be engaged with where women might just bond with the other women there and and it like leaves the the husband out mm. if that makes sense you know like if i if my husband was having like a meeting with guys and i walked in to say hello which i wouldn't because they don't like that but like if i came to join and say hello they they would greet hello how are you they'd schmooze for a few minutes but like if a man walked into like a lady's circle it'd be like two chatty chatty like it just right he wouldn't stick around for more than 30 seconds it just wouldn't yeah he probably wouldn't feel like people are making an effort to include him in the same way yeah interesting yeah interesting but we do like sometimes and sometimes we also do double dates as far as i can remember when we go out on date night we don't go out on date night we go out on double date night if we go out on a date night we actually do a date day we usually do like a walk or we'll go for coffee or we'll grab a lunch together but when we go out on a date night we go out on a double date we even went out on one um... so you can split babysitting fees (laughs) our kids are big enough to be home by themselves now but yes in theory that could work but um we like to find other couples that we go out with that we can enjoy. And it's like afterwards, it's like, could we do that again? Like, was that good for you? That was good for me. Did that also work for right, you? Right, right, right. We're trying to find you like had a different the experience. perfect couple that you can both have a good time with. <laughs> and, and when you both have a good time, the way it works for us and our experience, or at least my experience of our experience, is that we have moments where we'll like look at each other because they'll say something which is like, you know, a, a long-standing joke between us. And then we have a moment where we look at each other like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. You know, like we're having that conversation without having the conversation. Yeah. And, and it's good. And, and when, again, when a couple has, and it doesn't matter their sense of humor, it doesn't matter their personality. When a couple has a really good banter and interaction with each other, and when they're really connected to each other, we always have a good time and it doesn't matter what their background is. Wow. So that might be like, as you're asking me these questions, I'm figuring this out. See, you always ask good questions. You're a good interviewer. So <clears throat> when, when they have a good relationship, we have a good time with them, even if they're not our style. We've been out with people where we're like, that's so interesting. They're totally like, they're not our flavor. They're not our vibe, but they're really great together. And to go out on a double date with them, we're all really great together. Like we're a good couple, the two of us together. And they're a good couple, the two of them together. And that was fun. You know, like, I don't think we'll be best friends, but I could totally do that again. But the main thing you're doing socially is sort of feeding off each other's energy more than Focusing on the details of whatever happens to come mean, out of your mouth anyway. We are talking about whatever the subject is right. that comes up and the subject matter, 
you know, can't just be like, <laughs> but, but, you this, know. but if you, to use the same analogy from before, I feel like when people hang out, the subject matter is like looks in the soulmate clarity model. It's important. You got to have a good conversation, but fundamentally there has to be like this energetic connect. And if you're with a couple that love being around each other, and that's just going to be warm. That's going to be better I to like, be around. I like this description that the subject matter is like looks. It's It matters, but at the same time, it doesn't matter as much as the banter and the play and the personality and the vibe and the energy that's happening between you. Mm. That's deep. I want to. I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> More than that, you got to rhyme it. I got to rhyme it. I got to come up with a phrase <laughs> that represents exactly that. It's really important. And, and it... It is fascinating. Like also, you know, like they, whatever, a couple, you could think one thing, you go out with them on a date and you see them and afterwards you're like, they're just so cute together. Like that was, that was just, you know, so entertaining. Like maybe alone and individually, they're not super entertaining, exciting, interesting, whatever, but together, you know, like they talk about a couple having more strength and being more powerful together than they are on their own. And that's what I think people are looking for. They're looking for, when I become we with you, when we are are one in the world, we're better together than we'd be on our own. And when somebody goes, well, I don't think this is worth it or that's not, this probably isn't my person, that's because they're thinking, I'm not better with you. I'm mm-hmm. probably better without you, right? Like, I, how heavy is that? I'm not brought up, I'm not a better human with you than I am without you. So it's not worthwhile to stick with you. Even if, even if somebody's super hot, even if they're amazing, they're like your perfect look. If you don't feel like you're better with them, then it's not going to work. Now, Mm. if you're only looking at looks and you're, they never open their mouth and you know, (laughs) you just, you might feel better with them because you know, you feel better about yourself hanging around with right. somebody that's it's super flattering hot. It's, in some sense. Yeah. Like that they would pick you. But, um, oof. Yeah, now my brain, that's like, I got to process all this information. This is a lot. This is one of those episodes, like, I'd have to listen to three times. <laughs> sure. To let it sink in. Okay, um, you're welcome to uh, engage in the sound of yourself thinking as well. <laughs> I do sometimes when I'm on the phone with people and we're having a, a client session and I have, I'm thinking and I know that there's a, an audio pause. I'm like, this is the sound of thinking. The line didn't hang up. Just hang on. I'm just processing what you said and I can't talk while I'm doing that. Yeah. You, you said that earlier and then you didn't pause. And I was like, no, no, I want, I want to hear it. I want to hear the dead space. Right. It, it takes time to also be able to pause and it's mm-hmm. not very good for podcasts. <laughs> It's, it's amazing how powerful two seconds of dead air is it's in the true. middle of a long form. But I was actually, I was thinking about that because um, something we talked about was um, your your job when you show up on a date. Like I, I say earlier, right? Because, you know, under the hood a bit, like we we had our first conversation last week. I listened to it again. So, so, so everything's fresh. But I mean, some of what... Some of what I'm going to say. And earlier we talked about, you're like, I've had 15 conversations since then. Um, but, but something we were talking about, like, uh, showing up and your job on a date is not to, um, is not to impress anyone, not to think about what to say next, is to, is to show up and connect. Um, and I think there were a couple of, there were a couple of words. They, they worked well together. And then you were like, to connect and listen in something. And we were trying to, workshop a rhyme and I said listen don't glisten yes but then you have this um 
this other failure mode, right? Where cause you're trying to walk that tightrope. The other failure mode is, is like the people you're saying who rapid fire. Like you're not sharing. You're just trying to extract information from your partner, which doesn't work either. Also, rapid fire is like music with no pause. Like there mm. is a beat that's called rest, right? So mm. there's music, 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 pause, ah, oh, music, 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 pause. You know, like, like it creates the rhythm. It creates the energy. And when people are afraid of that moment of pause, like you said, those two seconds of dead air, even on a podcast, it works. And when you also, the intonation, the speed of speech, the raising of the voice, the lowering of the voice. Mm, wait, what are they going to say? Like you're hanging on every word to see what's coming out next. When you don't have that, it's very boring. Very prose. It, look, I, I have to say, and, and for anybody who's struggling with this, if you're not somebody who can think on the spot and be in the moment and and be intuitive about what happens next and just play. Like I, I use the word play. Somebody the other day was like, I don't like that you say that, but I like the word play. But also, um, you know, in comedy they have um, improv. Rule of, rule of threes. A uh, rule of threes also, but improv. Okay, mm. what's improv? Improv is literally, what does this moment need right now? That's it. That's what you say. What do you prep for? Nothing. Nothing. You prep for nothing. There is no preparation. It just happens in the moment. And if you're not good in the moment, which I know a lot of people who are not good in the moment, they need a few extra moments to pause and to think or to react. The reaction time is slow, right? So like, if I, you know, like reflexes, like if I hit your knee in the right spot, your foot should go wing and it should fly up in the air, right? Mm. Some people's reflexes are really slow. So you whack the knee and you're like one, two, three, and then poof, it might move, right? That doesn't happen in real time, but in conversation, it happens like that, right? So you and I can sit here and banter and I can react in one second. It comes right out. You say this, I say that, boom. There's a moment and you can create an energy. It's like I throw the ball and you catch it, right? Mm. But if we're playing catch and I throw the ball and you catch it, and you're waiting one, two, three. I'm like, dude, throw the ball. This The game is called, you know, catch. Like, throw it. I have You have to throw it for me to catch. If you don't throw that conversation back at me, I can't throw it back at you. And if you do it too slow, I feel like, you know, you're putting on a, a lullaby and I'm going to sleep. Now, a lullaby has its place. So talking to somebody like that when you feel like going to sleep is not a bad thing because, you know, in the pauses while you're thinking, I'll fall asleep, life will be great. Yeah. But it's not really great on a date. It's right. not really great in the moment. And it's challenging. So for people that struggle with that, we need techniques for them because they're not going to process any quicker. It doesn't matter. Like they can practice and get better at it to learn some techniques but the processing speed is slower. It's like somebody who would have dyslexia or a reading disorder, right? Compared to somebody who speed reads. Somebody who has a processing reading disorder probably will never be a speed reader. Or if they are, they'll have their own unique technique that like hacks right. the system to get around it, which you can do. But it's not just a straightforward path. Right. Or if, or if it's part of their job, they need to like read through a lot of forms they'll get really good at identifying the markers at the side of the form exactly to cheat their way through so uh, do you have because i'm thinking of a specific technique in this in this situation that that i like i'm wondering do you have do you have one you're you're happy to share here 
That's a good question. Do you want to share yours and then I'll it'll give me a few moments that I can uh, process and think sure. of mine. God forbid we should hear you thinking. <laughs> I well, just I was thinking of it in terms of um, trying to solve the issue of getting people to talk too much versus talk too little. Yeah. So your job is sharp and listen, but at the same time, um, you're not just listening to the other person. You're also listening to yourself. And it's not like you're not trying to supply something to fill the air, but if something in the conversation prompts something in you, prompts a question in you, prompts like a story in you, you want to hear that and process it, but you don't want to talk over the other person doing it. And so something that I try to cultivate is being easy to interrupt. So when you start talking, you have like a second of pause and then ramp up slowly and then you can tell if the other person still got... No, hang on. Before you say that, let me say this. Because you're not already two words in. I like that. Being easy to interrupt. Mm. It's good because it does create the banter back and forth. And you don't have a monologue where I feel like I just have to be a listener without being an engaged listener where I can participate in that. I like that. That's good. Cheers. That's a good, that's a good one. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> As my people say. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking about... I appreciate when people a little bit talk out their thinking instead of thinking in silence. Mm -hmm. However, too much of it could get really annoying, right? So there's a fine balance between, wow, you know, you said something and I'm thinking, right? So mm, pause, right? Okay. Or I could say, wow, what you said is really deep, okay? So now I can identify what you said and I can share what I think about it. I think what you said was really deep. Ooh, well, that's like a nice compliment, right? Huge. That's huge and that, that gave me a moment to continue my thinking. And I can say, and I have a lot of thoughts running through my mind and I don't exactly know how I want to respond to you. I almost, and I could say, actually, I want to just take that in I don't even know that I could respond to you in this conversation. Like, maybe we'll talk about it next time. Oh, now I just prompted that I'm curious about you and I want to see you next time. And I said that without saying it, hmm. right? Like, maybe we could talk about that next time. I think, like, I got to think about that. Actually, hold on, wait. Let me just pick up my phone. Let me write that down. I, I, that's, that's a good thing. I want to, I want to remember that for later because I really want to spend time thinking on that. I can do that and I didn't give you an answer and I didn't process my answer and I'm still curious and thinking about it, but I have to awaken myself enough that I'm not so deep in thought about what you said that I can't snap out of that to be present in the moment. Yeah. And to realize I can't process my thoughts that quickly in this moment to respond effectively. Right. But I have to be able to verbalize that instead of having that blank stare <laughs> where, you know, your eyes are looking up <laughs> and to the left and you're like just thinking and spacing out. Which would signal the opposite. Right. right. It's the that same would, thing. That might signal that you're not interested and you're bored by the conversation as opposed to your processing and thinking. It's, it's interesting because this also echoes our conversation about, um, content being the, being like looks and that they should, that they're a backseat. Because in that context, right, like you said, you haven't answered the question. Someone says, it thing, doesn't matter. That, not only does it not matter, you've done great. You've exactly. done the, the, the essential points are you've validated the fact that I'm speaking. You said, oh, you made a great point. I feel like I'm, I'm being heard and validated and like, oh, that's deep. Amazing. Completely understood and taken in. And I participated in no way with the discussion. <laughs> there was no content. I, no content because I couldn't get my thoughts together. But it doesn't matter because I saw you and it doesn't matter about the content. Like you said, it matters about seeing you and it matters about the moment and it matters about the person. And I think that takes it to the level of 
what matters in a conversation? And the answer is you. You matter in a conversation. And as long as you're being heard and seen and validated and understood, we don't actually have to talk about any content. I just have to be able to express, communicate, and connect with you. And if I can do that, now we have a moment. Boom. Boom. It happened. Excellent. Excellent. And we didn't even discuss the topic. You know, like we didn't even get to the, no we didn't even get to the meat of it. But that's the whole point. The meat of it is you, right? And and also, even if you're hunting for the meat of like good content, like the I feel that the best way to get to that is to is to build that um, build the energy first. Correct. You build that reciprocal conversation, and then the amazing stuff happens over the top of it. Right. And that's what people want in a first date, in a second date, in a third date, in a tenth date. They want to know that. I matter to you. You're taking me in. I'm taking you in. I enjoy my time with you. I feel seen, heard, understood, validated. Boom. I don't even care what we talk about. Mm. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. It's it's completely irrelevant because you're present with me in the moment and I know that you'll be present with me in any moment. It just, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, which is fascinating because it does matter because there's lots of stuff that I wouldn't like to talk about. Right. Well, well, this is this is. Let, let me let me speak in content for a second because this is this is like a a question that I've had before and I haven't received a good answer to it. Because you, you, that's you, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, if anyone, <laughs> this is the equivalent. You take the pilgrimage. You come to the top of the mountain. You talked about um, the three things. You you have your. This isn't even a question I have to think about, right? This is one you've got on the on the rolodex, but I might press it a bit. You got the qualities. You got the fears. You got the um, the not what do you call, you call them? Ips, the bothers. Yeah, ics of is one category of bother. Within qualities, right? You, like you hear the people say, "Oh, you got to find someone that you that you share values with," and I, I I find difficulty hearing exactly what that means. Maybe because I can just I I feel very at ease talking about two very different people with very different views and being like, "Oh yeah, I see where that comes from." Like I can. Like, I don't know, within politics, like, someone's very conservative. I'm like, yeah, I get why you'd, why you feel that way. I, I understand your line of reasoning. Someone's very liberal. I get why you'd, why you'd have that reasoning. It makes sense to me. It's not, it doesn't jar. I feel like from, for a lot of people, politics jars. It's like, if you have this sort of view, the other view is completely alien to you and vice versa. But that's, I don't feel like that's what's meant by do you have the same values? But it's also not like organization either because sometimes one person's more organized and the other person just has to play catch up almost always that's the case so like the closest answer i found is like do you do you both want to have roughly the same number of children (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of people that are out of the dating phase that want to get married that don't even want to have children sure so that can't be the baseline for a question uh the values are more about what do I value? And <clears throat> you might be able to talk to anybody, but you might not, I don't know, value somebody with extreme politics or extreme behaviors, even though you understand them, mm-hmm. you might not want that to be a life partner. You might not want somebody like that to be the mother of your children, mm-hmm. right? You might be able to converse and connect and build a relationship, but it might not be the person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with, even though you could understand them. Because you're more of a chameleon and you're more adaptable and you can see many different sides, which you're correct. A lot of people can't. So like you might have more flex in your values, but you still have values. Like it still might be, I don't know, honesty and loyalty and trust and, you know. But see, why should that even make the list? That's just about, like no no one's not going to tick that. Like 
You know what I mean? No one's not going to have those requirements. Or if they're not, they don't they're have the header and script. No, but if I tell you, you only can have a top 10 list of values and, and beliefs and personality traits, everything else, yeah, it should be there. But it's not your top 10. Like when you hit the top 10 things that resonate with you, everything else, while it has an importance, as long as we hit the top 10, the rest is more irrelevant. Detail. No, I get that. Details. I get that in terms of traits, right? I get that in terms of like, you know, on a practical level, like I, <laughs> like the motorbike example just sticks in the head from the show, right? Some people are like, that's my thing. I, I love motorbikes. I need someone who's, if not into it himself, at least can, you know, can handle it, can tolerate it, whatever. Fine. But like something like honesty, I feel like someone comes to you, if, if, if two, it's not about like, here, here are two people doing a chart. Oh, they're both psychopathic liars. That's fine. Right? If anyone comes to an individual level and you get the sense that he's dishonest or she's disloyal or whatever, I feel like you'd probably have a very serious talk with the person. Like, you have to sort this out in yourself before I'm showing you to anyone. Yes, although I'm going to say for somebody like you, honesty might not make the list. And the reason is because you could see so many different points of view that it's not like you're, you're in a box where honesty has to be one way or another. It might not even make a list for you. But for somebody who has been... Uh, cheated on or somebody who has, you know, gone through being with people in their life that were not honest with them, honesty is extremely important and somebody being in a box is very important. And if that's not in the top 10, they can't handle it because that's a huge trigger. For right. Them. So then honesty bleeds into something which does have a bit more, um, a bit more of a range of acceptable behavior that, that one could look like one could prioritize or not, which I guess is like um, disclosure, right? right? This is something that... Right. The... And some people, by not saying something, you weren't honest with me. Right. Oh, you withheld the information. Okay, but it wasn't yours to know. Like, it wasn't... I wasn't withholding it. Like, mm -hmm. and people have different types of relationships. So okay, I'll give you an sense. example. My husband and I, we don't tell each other every single thing in the world. There's couples, they tell them each other everything, everything, well, you, everything. You can't because of your profession, first Correct. Of all. Right. Correct. And... We don't because we don't believe in it. We believe that the other people or other conversations in our lives are private. So if I had a conversation with, I don't know, my sister, I'm not running to tell my husband that conversation. It's none of his business, but I'm not keeping it from him. It's not a secret. It's mm -hmm. not about him. It's completely irrelevant. You know, it doesn't even matter. But for some people, that's being, you're, you're not being honest with me. You're not, you're not telling me like they need to know everything, but it's clearly a trigger for mm -hmm. them. So they need to have somebody with whom they can have a completely transparent relationship on every single level all the time. It's just not how we live. And for us, that's not a trigger for either one of us. If it was a trigger on one side, it would be a problem. Right. And that would be an orange that you had to figure out. Is that exactly. granular? Exactly. I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> We, we've somehow blown through another hour as well. <laughs> I sat down. I'm like, okay, this is the soulmate clarity one. We're going to dig deep. Um, and we've, we've, we've scratched it. I think we've covered it from interesting angles. If someone wants to do, um, the soulmate clarity test, is there something that, like, is there something on your website they can get and just do it with a partner? Or is this something that's administered in person? Uh, yes, they can do it with somebody online. We have uh, Soulmate Clarity coaches that will guide them through it. We're working to see if we can have a system where it could be done solo. 
the biggest issue, and I just had a conversation about this last night, it's just less accurate. Because when mm. you don't have somebody monitoring how you're answering and your answer is somewhere in between, the coach will know which way you're leaning which, when you won't know and yourself. So, and so much of it is like the, it's very, that, it's that splitting, fence. It is, and it's splitting hairs to sure. get to the root and the nuance of what it is. So but we, that's what it matters. Because ultimately, yeah. you're, you're sitting, like the whole questionnaire takes place on that fence between Correct. yellow and, and red, the fence between yellow and orange and red. And yes. So on. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, so, so yes. you're, you're trying to figure out a way to make it um, robust enough that people can do it by themselves. And then it will be accurate enough. It will be slightly less accurate if you do it on your own. Uh, the question is, and we may run A-B testing on this to see sure. how accurate you are on your own compared to how it compares when you do it with a coach. But right now, this is the only way that it is. Okay. You can do it, you can do it with take it as, it as it is until we build it out any other way. You take it, you take it out. Uh, Okay. I was just going to say, and this has been in the works since 2016. I actually found my notebooks with what it used to look like. I'll show you. But I, I found my notebooks with what it used to look like at the very, very, very beginning. Like literally from the wow. start until now. And it's been built out over the course of years, tried and tested. And uh, it's it's fascinating. It is. I mean, like by me, it makes my brain happy because I can see my thinking and I can see my feelings visually represented. And when it's when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's what's going on. Mm. Right. No wonder why I'm confused. Like it validates so much. Sure, sure. It's like it's like a massage for your brain. It makes me so happy. So, so much of that is just like you've got a whole lot of jumble and then you just line it up. It's just it making the picture clear. clear. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions here because I know how much you love those. <laughs> I'll try it. and Let's pause in between them. Um, these ones, these ones come from Monique in Sydney, who is uh, a journalist as well. Um, this is a great one. What are the top things that Jews shouldn't do when dating? Ooh, what shouldn't Jews do when dating? Uh, I don't know that I have a fast answer for that one. What shouldn't they do? I might, I might, I might leave it. The broader version of that is like, what are the biggest dating killers? Oh, but that doesn't have anything specifically to do with. Well, I, th I think, I think she's just like, you work with the Jewish community. Maybe your advice can be universal. I don't know. It sounds... Yeah, it's more universal. Sure. The biggest dating killer is being more into you than you are into them. That's the biggest dating Ooh. killer. Being too interested too early. No, you're interested in yourself only. You don't. You show no interest in them. Being. You're just. You're like a male peacock, just fanning your feathers. Look at me. Look at me. Mm. Like, no, that's not appealing. You know, you looking at them and and connecting to them and drawing their greatness out. That's the most attractive thing in the world. Yeah, you you know, um, I think it was President Calvin Coolidge. He, I, I might be telling this story completely wrong. In fact, now I think it's Benjamin Disraeli for some reason. We'll go with Disraeli. It makes more sense with Disraeli. Benjamin Disraeli, he's running for um, prime ministership in England. And like the night before the election, or like a few weeks before the election, he goes on a date with like one of the leading socialites in the in the city. And then like within a few days of that, she goes out with the with his his opponent. And was it Gladstone? I feel like it was Gladstone. And she says, anyway, listen, <laughs> in fact, this might not even be, I think I'm making this up. I know nothing about politics <laughs> and I know nothing about famous people in love. But good, keep going, I'm in. <laughs> but whatever you say, I believe you. <laughs> great, great. For the purpose of this conversation. Um, so she goes out with Israeli and she goes out with Gladstone. They're, and they're about to go head to head in the prime ministerial race. 
And I asked her afterwards about what the experience was like dating these two men. And she said, when I went on a date with Gladstone, I felt sure that he was the smartest man in England. And when I went on a date with the Israeli, I felt sure that I was the smartest woman in England. Ah, and that's it. The other person should feel great in your presence, not that you should fan your feathers to show how great you are. Yep. Great. Um, what should you never eat on a first date? <laughs> <laughs> Anything that gets stuck in your teeth. So like spinach and like, I just, stuff gets stuck in teeth and you should just not eat things that really, are, like when you smile, you're definitely going to have that sticking out there and, and the other person's going to feel so uncomfortable to say something. Okay, so, so question of etiquette now. The other person doesn't listen to this, eats spinach, has something in the teeth. Do you comment or not comment? And if so, how? Uh, it's such a debate, right? So if somebody does, and I used to feel like when I was younger, if somebody would call me out on it, I would be so embarrassed and mortified. I would go home and like never, you know, want to talk to them again, right? And now as an adult in my 40s, I would like to say like, tell me I got something in my teeth. You know, I don't want to go home and think, oh my gosh, for two hours, I had that piece of spinach in my teeth and you never said anything. So it, it's really a debate on how comfortable or uncomfortable the person would be. I think there could be like a, like a, you know, oh, you have a little spinach. It's cute. You know, like you have to compliment at mm. the same time. And then you should like smile back and be like, do I have anything in my teeth? You know, like play with it so that I could also, right, be at the same level that you're at. So it's not weird and awkward. It needs to be light rather than heavy. Yeah. And a little balance. Not like, sure. oh, you have, you have something there. You have something right there. Right. Or or like you see in the movies, right? Like somebody has something on their face, right? And somebody's leaning over with the <laughs> napkin, <laughs> right? Right. On one hand, it's sweet. On the other hand, some people might feel mortified. So you have to, right. to gauge your crowd and, and and see who you're talking to. I feel like the appeal of that scene in the movie is their connection's so good. Yes, yes, like, correct. Yeah, it's that confidence yeah, that I can do true. this and get away you, with okay, it. Okay, so that's the moment. You cannot do it if the if you're questioning the connection. Mm. But if it's bothering you so much to look at them and it's distracting and you keep looking at their mouth. <laughs> that's instead. definitely not the motive. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just this is just messing with my visual right here. I can't. Not, not the right move. And if it is, don't tell them that. <laughs> Nope. Um, what are your opinions on dating apps? Should people ever use them? Yes, absolutely. I think that thousands of people across the world have met on dating apps. And I think it, it empowers you to be your own matchmaker. So you should learn how to be your own matchmaker because that would be a smart thing. We have a whole course on that because, <laughs> because people don't know how to do it right. Also on the website, which is com, right? Yes. Easy. Perfect. And um, okay, so dating sites, what are the red flags? What are the green flags? Look, if it looks and sounds and feels creepy, it's creepy. You don't even have to respond. Some people are like, oh, it's so rude not to respond. I'm like, no, not if it feels creepy or, or ick. If it feels creepy or ick, let it be. Um, don't just say hi. What what comes after hi? Like you, you read the profile and you write to somebody and you just go, hi? Uh, Give me something more like, oh, I loved that you da da da, or it's so interesting, or I'm so curious. What are you curious about? Mm. Not you're hot. I want to see your face in person, right? Like, <laughs> please be curious about something about what they said and who they actually are and give somebody, you have to give them a way to respond. So you have to either ask a question or make a, a, a comment that requires a response more than one word. 
that engages this other person. Otherwise, mm. you make it very difficult. Like, don't don't make it hard for somebody to have a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And what what do you, what's what's the? I mean, as you said, you have a course in this, but like one thing that anyone could do to the dating profile to improve it. Well, there's more than one thing, but I would say first of all. Your photo does matter, and if you tell me it doesn't, and those are the best photos, and everybody should suck it up, then you should be willing to deal with their terrible photos. But but you should, you know, as much as looks don't matter, they do matter on dating apps very much because you can't even get somebody to read your profile unless the look is within uh, a limit that they're willing to accept. And after that, I would say again, it's not the content of what you say, but it's how you say it, and you have to already banter with them through that. And so I call this the hook, which is like, you know, the opening line, the first sentence that's going to make you want to read a book. And it has to be completely fascinating and it can say nothing. Mm. Right. So, so I had one woman write something like, you know, like I really respect a man who can, you know, wear pink with a smile or something like that. They can, you can feel masculine and wear pink with a smile. Like, whatever. Maybe that's not appropriate today with the modern world to even say a comment like that, so forgive me. But that's what she said. <laughs> right. And, and that was her way. Like, uh, what does it say about who she is and what she's looking for? On one hand, it says nothing. On the other hand, you got a vibe of what she's looking for. Like a man who's comfortable in his masculinity, right? That he could wear pink. It doesn't yeah. matter, right? I had somebody else say something like, um, I'm a wimp when it comes to spicy food. Okay? I like that. Right? It's a great opening line. What does it say about him? Nothing! Doesn't say where he works. Doesn't say what kind of a friend he is. It says nothing about who he is. And at the same time, he's telling you a random piece of information that will either be a hook and draw you in, or like, you know, you go fishing and there's a hook and like, yeah, nobody, like there's no bait. You need bait on the hook. It's, it's, it's the bait to draw everybody in. And it's the line that's going to just pique somebody's curiosity and go what else do they have to say right and it shows you that he's he's comfortable self-deprecating he's not defensive about masculine indicators now you guys can plan where you're going to eat more easily exactly so on the same in the same way that it doesn't say anything it says so much and i'd rather have instead of giving a whole like i'm kind and sweet and generous and warm and loving and giving and no commas if you're writing comma a lot of commas in your sentence throw it out no get rid of it like, I mean, I don't know. No, no, that's, that's a good that's not a good multiple com- No, Not multiple commas, you know? <laughs> also, things like very, really, never, always, get rid of those words. You know, you know, Mark Twain's line on this was, whenever I want to write very, I instead write damned. <laughs> and, then my, uh, and then my editor takes it out, and then the sentence is as it should be. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. So I would like not just one hook. I'd like two or three hooks. Like your little blurb about you should just be hook, hook, hook. It should have no information about you. It should pique their curiosity that they're like, ooh, I want to speak to that how do you ooh. How do you do more than one? Because if it's like, I'm a wimp about spicy food, hook, but it's also like a standalone. What, so you say that and then... Another one. Really? Yeah. Straight after? Like, it's, fa- it's fascinating. It's really? fabulous. I wouldn't fabulous. think you'd get away with that. Oh, yeah. oh. Okay. I'll tell you why you get away with it. Because on dating apps, it's not a dating profile. You don't get a paragraph. Hmm. You get a word count you get, that is so you tiny. You get three bullet points. That's it. So that's right. your hook, hook, hook. So you'd get three bullet points instead of one. Wow. Interesting. Try it. It'll change your life. Well, there you go. <laughs> this has been fantastic. Once again, a really, really good chat. I have enjoyed it tremendously. You're welcome back anytime. With thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny 